welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North South Connection, welcome back for episode 9 of Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. We're at the home stretch of the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, so this is going to be a semi-preview, but we are here with the two co-hosts, that'd be Rocco Martone and Mike Rossi. Rossi, what's up? Not much, dude. Happy to be here. We actually get a, the week of a pay-per-view, so this is a little different from the last one that we had to deal with. Yeah, now, did you come in in the backs of your toga for WrestleMania 9 or whatever? No, um, but I did hear that Rocco um, might have a Hogan-like shiner, because he might have taken acid <laughs> from the wrong guy this weekend. <laughs> I heard D'Amato whacked him right in the face with his metal plate and his bicep. I heard that's how D'Amato got him. He threw a plate of scungeal at me and uh, got me right under <laughs> the eye. Giant Gonzalez knocked out with some formaldehyde. Uh, wait, well, speaking of waking up from formaldehyde, we are here with our guest of the week, John D'Amato. Johnny, what's up, buddy? Ah, very good. Uh, I had the camel drop me off. Uh, I, I couldn't get uh, on it the right way, so I had, I had to drop me off. How many humps on that camel, Johnny? <laughs> too, too many. Too, too many. All right. I know that we are attending a lot of wrestling this weekend ourselves. D'Amato's going to Extreme Rules. Rossi and I are going to SmackDown, the war in Worcester. And Worcester, right. Worcester, yep. And then uh, who knows what Rocco's up to. Rocco, you go to Brooklyn for Raw or are you just what? No, no. I was uh, contemplating going to Atlantic City for GCW, but uh, yeah, realized I didn't want to drive that far. How far is it? For me, three. That's kind of far. I thought that would be closer. You know, New Jersey. First of all, New Jersey's that big. Yeah, I'm in the northwest. It's one of the most northwest parts, and it's uh, pretty much at the southeastmost part of New Jersey. So. Yeah. Oh, so you're typically Pennsylvania. They moved it outside, anyways. Everybody's gonna freeze their fucking balls off. I'll talk about that later, but. I was just gonna say, typical, what is this, the fucking indie corner boys? Come on. Typical, typical GCW bullshit. But you know what's kind of bullshit? The news of the week. Uh, let's kind of put a little quick eulogy on our boy. Rossi, first of all, your boy died, Antonio Noki. I know it's been a running gag with us for many years that he's your favorite wrestler because he shares the same jawline as you. Now, um, where are you at? Are you sad? He's a handsome guy. <laughs> <laughs> are you grieving? Has Verizon hooked you up? Are you back to work yet with your grieving period? Where, where are you at with the Noki? Nah, man. I'm going to Vegas in a couple of weeks, so I couldn't take some bereavement time yet. So um, I just have had to suffer through the the pain and anguish every day. I might, might have taken it out on a couple of customers that I wish I could slap in the face like a Noki would. But um, but no, I mean, it's it's definitely sad. I mean, he kind of felt it coming. He's been sick for a while. Can't believe he's only 77. Yeah, I'm definitely bummed out. This guy ruled, and he's, uh, he's definitely going to be missed. Uh, but uh, the YouTube memories and the Bombayé song will always remain. So that's all we have for Anoki now. Rocco, any any uh, thoughts on Anoki? Yeah, I mean, he's a dude that's been in ever since I started watching wrestling. I saw pictures of him. You know, he's in all the magazines and he was the guy from Japan that I kind of knew at, when I was a kid. You know, before uh, All Japan and uh, New Japan guys kind of got rose into prominence, he was the big dude. Um that I knew, and uh, I think it's really cool that they mentioned him on Raw because it's a cool thing that they acknowledge the past because, like, it just shows that, like, I think that Vince would never acknowledge the past because he was terrified of becoming an old man. He didn't want things to be, like, uh, numbered. Like, the maybe manias will be numbered after this, right? This is a sign. But to me, it's always just insane that they don't acknowledge the past because you have a, ne- you, have a you own the past. 
Why are you not monetizing the past? Why are you like people see that and who probably have never heard that name before, younger people, and they'll go, who's that? And they look it up and then they look up other people and find out stuff and go down the rabbit holes that make people super fans. And they go to your network to watch guys that he fought. You know, I don't know how much of Noki's on there, but they can find out, oh, he was the champion. What's that about? Oh, in 1979, he fought Bob Backlund. Who's Bob Backlund? And then you're you're more invested in this product. That's the new product. So I think it's just really cool that they mentioned him. And it's super sad that a guy who was so influential in MMA, I mean, he was part of Pride, I think, too, and uh, wrestling. So, it, you know, he's an old dude. He seemed to have a really cool life So uh, and great style. So sad he's gone, but really cool that they acknowledged him on there. Yeah, very cool. Now, D'Amato, any remembrance with him and the dinosaurs from back in the day? <laughs> of course. Easy cheap shot. But, uh, yeah, no, I read that uh, a great book, uh, the Ali vs. Noki uh, book by Josh Gross and uh, about the uh, – about their match, their, their shit show kind of a match. But uh, looking back on it, it was very historical. It was, you know, it inspired, uh, you know, a lot of uh, mixed martial arts and uh, and, uh, and it launched the uh, sports entertainment for, for what we know about today. And uh, there, there was some interesting, uh, you know, the stories there, how uh, kind of like Ali's people weren't like, weren't like hip to the, uh, you know, to kayfabe and because cause the originally they wanted they were gonna have a, a finish where Noki would like bled and it was kind of like a DQ but all these people like freaked out and, and and they didn't go for that so that's why they couldn't agree on the, the finish and it was kind of a shit show but uh, uh, definitely a Noki historical figure and a, a legend. Put it put it right there, buddy. But all right, the next segment or well, the next news item we have here is the White Rabbit. It's kind of still a thing and uh, the rumors are. I don't think it's a, you know, a locked, a steadfast rumor. It's more of a hearsay rumor that the next, the biggest clue or the appearance of the white rabbit will be revealed at extreme rules. And, um, it's unsure who it will be, but it, you know, it could be Bray Wyatt is that's all the tea leaves are pointing it to now. Um, just the same QR codes with more dropping hints, you know, with all the, uh, Julius Caesar and old old hat stuff and history stuff that you would think it's Bray Wyatt since he, you know, kind of alluded to that stuff in the past, too, with his funhouse stuff where he rambles on or whatever. But, um, I don't know, D'Amato, is it 100% Wyatt? And uh, will he see him at the PLE that you're attending? Uh, there's, there's nothing in the world that's 100%, but it's, uh, it's a high... High 80s or 90s, it's up there. That uh, I don't, I don't have any other uh, possibilities of what else it could be. So it, it, it's most likely him. And uh, yeah, I think we're we're gonna see him in uh, Philly, possibly in uh, in one of the finishes. I would say the uh, the strap match, the probably with Drew Cross, will probably get mixed up in and there mess up uh, uh, Drew McIntyre. Cool. Now, do you think we physically see him, or do you think that we it's a reveal of him, D'Amato. It'll, it'll probably be a, a physical appearance. I, I think they've stretched it out long enough where, where eventually they have to show something. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Now, Rocco, do we trust Wyatt here with all his wonky, half-thought-out, well, not full-thought-out full half-act ideas and just kind of him being a schizo with all his ideas and everything under the Triple H umbrella? Do you, what do you think? Can we trust that with Triple H in charge leading the force? And then Fightful came out that someone from the horror Marvel universe 
I forget his name, is in head in head of the long term booking of WWE. You know, it was kind of all signs were pointing to the Wyatt side of things for that. So under Triple H and all the new structure stuff, can we trust Wyatt in his like brain? Let's put it that way. Oh, I don't think it's his uh, uh his brain or his. It's like he's got a schizophrenic thought patterns in terms of how he writes what he wants to do or what plans what he wants to do. It's being cut off by a person who obviously didn't get that guy at all. Like the idea well, that Bray Wyatt is supposed to be. It's it's never been. It's it was never that he was supposed to be supernatural. I think that Vince McMahon was too fucking myopic to look at that character any other way. So it became a supernatural character, not just a dude fucking with people in ways. So. And I think that dude's layered enough and smart enough that given the time and uh, without being like, <laughs> oh, well, we have a Saudi show, so he has to lose this match now, which it's like you're derailing a character that obviously was well thought out. So if you're asking, yes, I feel like if the character is going to flourish, it'll be most likely with Trips and not Vince. I also don't think he's coming back as the fiend necessarily either. That would seem very not his thing. Like, he seems like he's constantly wanting to do something different. So I feel like it's not it's going to be something new. It might be the fiend. They might call it that. But it's, I feel like it's going to be an entirely new presentation when he comes back. Interesting. Well, we'll see if, you know, I would have with the tea leaves of the new writer and Triple H kind of being a guy that has a plan. I would trust my optimism would be trusted within that. But my guard is up that, yeah, it's, you could blame the old man on all of it. But a lot of it is. For the most of it, I understand that him not undergreeing, and I agree, I do agree with that, but it's kind of a lot, and it's a lot of – whenever he got around the title, it was very muddy. But well, just keep him away from the belt. Yeah, it now, didn't have to be a part of that, right? He didn't always have to be going for the belt. That's the biggest problem. You don't have to have him involved in that immediately, right? Then, yeah, let's get deeper into his thought process. Let's get deeper into it. Instead of let's having let's have depth in substance instead of just cool visuals and you know what are you talking about when you speaking tongue like that? You know, let's and for the past three and for the past deep. three years, Vince hasn't cared about anyone but Brock, and for the past two years, he hasn't cared about anyone but Brock and Roman, or you know, eight years of Roman. But you know, like he didn't give a fuck about that character. He knew it was a merch mover, and he I don't know, it, it, it didn't seem like he gave a fuck about that character at all. Yeah, but if you're not, if your goal isn't to win belts, or if you're like, then what's the fuck? You know, what's your point of? Well, you're whatever. talking about a company that has a world champion that barely wrestles, so I don't know uh, what you're talking like. But he's the head of the table because he's the fucking champion. Yeah, but the company. What? Why is everyone wrestling? And why and never get a chance to wrestle? Talking him? about when he wants to be the ruler of the world. What are you going to be the ruler of? The, like, are you going to be like the actual president? What are you going to be the ruler of? It's fucking wrestling. It's to be the champ to make the most money. That's where it gets muddy. That's where it's empty, and that's why there's no substance. Because that's what his ultimate goal was, but then it was always muddy when he got around it and never made sense. And, yeah, you can blame Vince, but a lot of – like, yeah, I'm not saying it's not Vince, but, like, how does that – if a ruler or someone, a cult leader, like, what are you a leader of the cult for? Like, that's what we want the substance for. That's why we want the pattern. You just can't empty, emptily point at Vince me like, this is fucking pointless. And, well, yes, I agree that that's probably true. But, like, what's the substance to Bray opposed to, like, wh- why do you want to be so culty? And what's, what's your goal? Like, let's just lay out goals here. If you're going to do all your wrongs, then why were you, Why do you think you were wronged in the first place? Let's just kind of get in depth instead of, like, emptiness. Is my well, you don't know that he didn't have plans on that and it wasn't cut off by Vince. who didn't, What's the no, not... Everyone writes their own fucking storylines and there's no boss? Like, he like... created the character. Like, of course he's going to have an endgame where he wins the fucking belt. 
But okay, then you can't lose it without being at a fuck show. You know? I fuck whatever. I, I get it, but let's just have like like substance. This is where it's incredibly creative. It the the whole Firefight Funhouse from WrestleMania 35 all the way to SummerSlam, all the way even leading up to the Seth feud, that Wyatt character was a home run. But they felt that they needed a boost to go to to Smack they needed a boost on SmackDown to go to Fox. And they put the belt on him and they went with him there because he was the hottest character. I get it. But when then, once he was the hottest character, and once he got the belt, there was no substance and we couldn't, couldn't withstand it. So can this char- does this character have juice? Does this character have enough in it to kind of withstand it is like my main concern. But under Triple H, I'm, I'm here for it because Wyatt's definitely talented. There's no def- ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's just kind of like, okay, but where can we find common ground you know what i mean that's where the muddy ground is because there's there's substance i mean there's definitely something there but what's the substance besides words you know and we can vain vince but now we'll find out well causing chaos is also uh, a, a goal that people can have too you know abdul the butcher never fucking won the title and never wanted to win the title he just wanted to fuck shit up so you can make money by not winning the belt you can win money by just fucking shit up and He's just doing it on a different level. He's not stabbing with a guy with a fork, but he's just torturing people psychologically. Okay, but if he was just to kind of roll back the whole Wyatt family thing, let's go to 14, you know, where he's the whole world in his hands and the world was the. the, the, the I'm not the going back Jones. that far. I'm talking about the Fiend version of that character more so. But it was fucked up even in 14. So it was fucked up once because Cena beat him. So, like, if what was his point back then is just to be the cult leader, but he's going for the top guy. And he's going to the, for the top guy for what? To be the ruler? But he doesn't want the title? I don't know. It's just, like, it's muddy. There's there's equity in the character. He has huge star power. He makes a shitload of fucking money. The guy's a rock star, but it's I can see the difficulty in writing him. Let's hope when he comes back, that's the goal, is to win the belt, right? That would be cool. We're going to, I guess we'll get to that in a second with my next question being. All right, the next question here is for Rossi. Which version of Bray are we going to get? The Fiend, the Eater of the World, the Cult Leader, um, Bray itself, Husky Harris. You know, there's been a a mile long things of what he is, what he is going to be, but is Wyndham Rotunda, what are we going to get? Or something new? Rocco mentioned. And looking at everything that they've gone through with the buildup, because obviously they've been following that. Like we talked about that a lot a couple weeks, so I'm not going to rehash that shit. But everything's been referenced back to old forms of Bray. So from his first NXT promo or FCW promo even um, to his first main roster promo to, you know, it's and it's kind of gradually gone through. And then Monday I don't know if, if you guys caught it, but when Alexa was backstage right above her, there was like this very faint, like picture of the fiend on the wall. Um, and then furthermore, something that hasn't nobody said is that when Graves had the contract at the end of the show and he held up the QR code, there was originally an, an empty chair behind him. And then once he held up the QR code, someone appeared there dressed like the fiend. So, and it was clearly over his shoulder to meant to be there when he was holding the QR code. So that's where it gets kind of wonky. Cause like, wouldn't, wouldn't have Bianca and Bailey been like, what the fuck is that thing on your, on your, uh, you know, your folder there. Um, but maybe they don't see it. That's the other thing. But, you know, obviously you've got to suspend reality with the with all of this, but 
I think it's going to be a little bit of everything kind of, I don't know if it's molded into one fresh character or, but I definitely expect to have fiend involvement. Now, when the fiend burnt to a crisp and then he came out with a, you know, muddled face, if they kept him with that and they never brought him back to the regular mask at that mania match, then I could see not coming back to the fiend. But this guy, Rob Fee, who used to write for Disney, um, used to write for Marvel. Um, he's done a lot of TV stuff. He actually pitched to WWE years, you know, a couple of years ago when Fiend was running hot, an idea for a Fiend movie. Um, I don't know if I'm assuming it was going to be a horror movie. This guy specializes in horror things with the comic books. But um, I think he's, he's got a lot of ideas with the Fiend himself. So I would expect the Fiend to be involved. And here's the deal. it You could go back to Cape Fear, Bray. It'll sell. You can go back to, um, you know, Bray when he was, um, you know, kind of starting to turn creepy, but hadn't fully turned creepy and it'll sell. But nothing will sell merch more than The Fiend will, or at least like an updated version of The Fiend. Because, you know, you get a new mask, you can sell new masks. You can get another stupid title belt with The Fiend's face on it. That marketing machine's smart. Um, and, you know, there's always room for more merch around the Bray Wyatt Fiend name. So I would be shocked if it wasn't tied into the Fiend in some manner. But I think he's going to be Fiend sometimes. Maybe he'll be Cape Fear, Bray the other. I think the Firefly Funhouse side of it's probably going to be gone. But I would expect, you know, maybe there to be some notions and mentions to it every once in a while. Ultimately, the biggest question I have is if he's going to be by himself. There's a couple of things that, you know, there's been teases out there that obviously have been nonsensical, like the Alistair Black tease a few weeks ago. Like that was never going to come to fruition. Um, he's still in AEW contract, as we've since learned. Um, there was a tease to Gacy this week. I don't foresee that happening, but I think they just said, hey, let's try to get the scent off of people. Um, but there's been some weird shit happening around Alexa that I really feel like she's going to be sucked back into this to some degree. And we've kind of said in the past, we've kind of got to get her out of this angle anyways that she's in now. She doesn't really fit with that story that's going on now. But the lights flickered in her main event match with Bailey. That fiend silhouette showed up over her shoulder on Raw. It seems like, and I mean, when you think about Bray too, he should be wanting to come back with how he left for Alexa in some way, whether it's to do something bad to her or whether it's to do something that's going to benefit her. It's kind of like, you know, a comeuppance of some sort. That's the part that's muddy. And that's where, you know, I'm most interested here because I'm I, like, we were all saying 95% sure this is Bray at this point, um, but will he be alone? There's other names out there to consider. Like, obviously we all know that like Corbin was going to get a rebrand and then he randomly disappeared off TV. And then there was that weird reference to Corbin, Kentucky, um, I don't see how he would fit in, but anything can be possibly creative enough here. Um, I do think the cross and, um, drew match would be where it would make the most sense. And mostly I think to distract drew to maybe help cross get that first win, um, whether that makes cross look strong or not, a strap match wouldn't anyways. So I feel like that's going to be a good area there. And then that can kind of make you think, oh, maybe he's working with Cross and Scarlet because they're also kind of weirdo creatures as well. Um, that seems to be where it would fit, but it could just be not tied to anything. And he could be in his own universe for a little bit 
Um, there's a couple different routes they can go in regards to that. But my biggest, you know, thing is, is he by himself? Or is he with, with, with a great crew of people? Um, you know, hopefully they keep Braun out of it because while I feel like Braun's been better in his return, they've been using him right. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I definitely think it's Bray and I definitely think there's going to be Fiend movement in some, some way. Yeah, I would just take Bray and start at chapter one and just have him just build up to the Fiend, have him start at Cape Fear, have him build a little family up, keep the family with him, go through the iterations where he failed, overcome those failments, and then just build back up to the Fiend and do the Fiend right. I think if we pick up at the Fiend, it's just too muddy right now. He, he needs equity, and I don't know. I don't. He needs equity built within him to be serious. And I don't know if just returning and coming back as the Fiend is is there to is not there enough to create you know weird memories of like again he was like I forgot he was fucking burnt at TLC and then gone at WrestleMania reappeared as the fear as the fiend and lost to Orton after Alexa started gooing out of her face and there was a four minute match to open WrestleMania night two WrestleMania thirty seven so that shit's like shitty <laughs> like I, like that's <laughs> indefensible that's the part of the fiend that's absolutely garbage garbage but then you look at wrestlemania 36 where he has that super fun firefly funhouse match with cena and like wow this guy's super creative that kind of ties in ask you know that was well put together for a weird wonky wrestlemania match in a pandemic era so there's definitely highs there's definitely low low lows it's you know it's kind of similar to the undertaker where undertaker has epically terrible shit in the early 90s but the undertaker also has awesome moments too and he, the, you know, he, they were used him as booking crutches and he overcame it. He kept reinventing himself and he overcame it. And then he just finally clicked and he's an iconic undertaker. And then kind of all the shit is overlapsed. Now I'm not saying the ministry of the darkness was the, the thing that overlapsed him, but you know, what's Bray's ministry, you know, is, is there a way that he can tie all these things in together? He's super creative enough and there's enough building blocks to do it. Um, I like the aspect of him being a cult leader and having a family and then kind of tying all his characters together. And that's kind of what I think he was leading to in the Firefly Funhouse in a way. And, you know, if and maybe that's where the creative genius, uh, creative differences always came with Vince, where he would put, hey, how about this? And then he's like, I don't want to do that. Or like, like, so if, if Triple H is on board and the, the, this big storyboard and this head guy from Marvel and Disney or whatever is leading that long-term creative story that he is a part of. I would trust Triple H's vision and gut to go with Bray's genius and creativity to make it work within the structure that they would lay out. But I think he does need to go in his past and tie up loose ends, if that makes any sense to you guys, what I'm kind of rambling there. You know what I'm saying? Just can't have, like, emptiness of, well, this is what it could have been, and then just move on. That's where... You know, you don't live out to your potential and that's where you just start rolling your eyes and don't take shit serious. You know, like that for me anyways, I don't I don't, I don't know. And there's plenty of get, it's wrestling. There's plenty of empty holes and whatever. So I don't know. I'm rooting for him. I, I don't mind him. But at points, he's definitely been the worst guy they've had on TV. But then again, under Triple H's umbrella would, you know, Vince pulling fast ones on him. Would they you know, is that really going to happen? So I don't know. We'll see. I- I'd rather watch a rambling uh, Bray Wyatt than any fucking 24-7 bullshit they've done over the past two years also. And 
This ain't it ain't fucking Moneyball, man. I don't want to win with walks. Like, let a guy go out there and fucking do some crazy shit. And if it fails, you did some crazy fucking shit. Like, I'd rather that than play it safe. So, like you said, uh, yeah, but let's build. Let's just like build up to the crazy shit, so the crazy shit isn't. That's what I'm saying. I, when I say crazy shit, I just mean out of the box thinking. Have a I'm cool story. Let him. Let him runs with it. If he runs with a story that goes nowhere for a few months. It's they got a three hour motherfucking show. It doesn't matter. They've had so much shit that meant nothing over the past fucking years that uh, I, I like the idea that you give this guy, you know, keep him on a leash, but let him fully put something out there because it could be amazing. Right. Yeah. If I his thing, if I want to run to the perimeter in football, I'm not just telling my quarterback, hey, uh, ignore the guys that are running the other way and just run to the perimeter. You know, what I mean, let's have the lineman work to the right. Let's have the let's get a pulling guard out there. You know, let's get a lead block and let's get some window dressing away from it. So this fucking play actually makes sense If in a football analogy, if that kind of makes any sense to you, instead of just being like, yeah, hey, let's run 28. But hey, quarterback, keep the ball and run to the other, you know, run, run the other way. And hopefully it works. We're throwing shit at the wall here. We're de- we're desperate. So let's just kind of that's where I'm coming from. But all right, let's put a bow on this Wyatt conversation. Extreme rules, you guys kind of alluded to it. Uh, D'Amato, you think we're going to get him there, and you think we're going to get him in the strap match. So is are you referring that Cross is an ally, or is Cross first feud or direction, and the same with McIntyre? I think uh, it's going to be his first uh, his first feud. They're gonna to place him as a babyface because because uh, because as a heel that's where the uh, the problems went wrong with booking him because he, you get that big that big entrance is you know it pops the crowd and it, you know right. it's a face. so uh, they got to try something different that was that was a problem there because he buried uh you know he simultaneously buried like three babyfaces within a month uh, you know, with Finn and then uh, Rollins and then the, you know he made the Miz look like a bitch so the. And then, and then, uh, as a heel, if he loses, it's like, oh, the you know, the fiend is is dead. So, so that there was a a lot of errors, uh, not so much errors, but it's just hard to to book him as a as a character. So, do you think I, he I think attacks Cross? Is that what you're saying? Well, he's he's gonna he's gonna help Cross win the match, but but then uh, it's gonna lead into a feud with Cross. Interesting, interesting. Now, Rossi, you mentioned while we're on this too. You you mentioned the Cross and Drew match too. You think he shows up here? Are you with the model here? Who do you think he targets? I think he Drew. Um, I think that could be why they may have decided against giving Reigns the title. I mean, giving Drew the title, mm-hmm. um, because they kind of right around then was when you know, all the Bray thing we we had heard that he had signed right. Um, so. I think that, you know, he at one point we even thought that he was going to be at that show, right? So I could see that as being, you know what, let's do this because this is going to be a big money feud for you um, to kind of, that could be kind of long and, and whatnot. So I, I have a feeling it is going to be Drew. And and just to make people think that he's really helping Cross, but he actually isn't. It's just then Cross moves on to other things. All right. And, and Rocco, do you agree that he shows up at Extreme Rules? Or is it revealed that him that it's him at Extreme Rules? And what's his direction? The only thing I don't like about the Extreme Rules would be if it is the Cross Drew match, which makes the most sense. You kind of think he's going to be the last thing that happens on the show, and if that's the main event, that's a little fucking weird since you have like two fucking world title matches with the women, and if like they're not the fucking main event in a random strap match with a guy who's having his like kind of first match since becoming like not an American Gladiator is the main event. That's a little fucking weird to me. So if 
but then you also have the thought that like are people that ravenous for him to come back that a Wyatt chant could take over? I don't think fans are really like stealing shows with chants like that anymore. So I don't think they have to worry about that stuff, like by putting it early. But that's the only thing with that match where it's like it feels like if he if he does debut in person, it's gotta be the last thing on the show. And that match doesn't seem like it I I mean I'm gonna be fucking pissed if that's the last match and like a fucking Bianca fucking Bailey title world title match isn't. So that's the only issue I have with that is that it doesn't seem like a last match thing. Got you. Now the only match I can agree that it's not going to be is Liv and Ronda. So yeah, but I feel like I feel like Bailey uh, Bianca really should be the uh, main event in a, a fucking women's. Actually, is there? I don't even know if there's actually been a women's single ladder match. I can't even I don't remember. Think they, I don't think it has, but I think that they right. revealed that this is the first one. Okay. Yeah. So that's I pretty think just important. to kind of take my case on that one too. I think I have a feeling Bianca, and we'll talk about it too. But I think Bianca and Bailey opens. I just have that. I, I get feeling. that idea, yeah, and that's always like a good thing. But it's it's a fucking world title match <laughs> in the first time ever yeah. match. It should be the last I mean, thing. I and almost if that's feel the like case. The fight, then, it, sorry, I was just gonna say yeah, if that's gonna be last. Either last or first, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You guys are stealing my gimmick here. I had the whole card in order of how I was gonna present it. Right? <laughs> We're fired up, Ryan. We're fired yeah. up. All right, but hey, real quick, I think that out of the out of the six matches, there's a legit case for four of them for Wyatt to show up and just real quick without hitting them. It's not going to be the SmackDown Extreme Rules match unless if Ronda turns spooky, but she's not going to. Can you imagine that real quick? Spooky Ronda? Some of her makeup's been there, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> Travis Brown is in the fucking group. Now, Imperium and Balling Brutes, hey, I don't think so, but if it's their Wyatt family, they could be targeting one of these guys, but then again, that's just a long shot and I doubt it. Bianca and Bailey, you have Alexa at ringside. Maybe some spooky shit happens where the fiend is like targeting Alexa, which causes Bianca a distraction and Bailey to get a cheap win there. And then Alexa and Bray kind of go off at her their own universe to kind of settle their score before Bray finds his footing somewhere else. So that's kind of the that there that there. I agree with both of you guys in the strap match on Drew and Cross. That's probably the most likely scenario where he attacks or probably focuses his energy on Drew, for perhaps, or Cross in an alliance, or maybe Cross in a way to if Ray's going to be a babyface. So it, it's, it's interesting, because when you think about that, yeah, everyone will think it's going to be Cross, but main event, I mean, Alexa needs to turn on, Bian- on, on Bianca. Being in that feud has done nothing but get her ass kicked for fucking months. Yeah. Like, and that's she needs to get the fuck out of there. And this is the perfect way. Like, and I don't think a lot of people would be thinking he's gonna come out during a women's world title match and give the Iggy to fucking Alexa. Alexa turns or Alexa turns costs Bianca the title and fucking Bray's music hits. I mean, that's a fucking wildly divergent uh, way to end the show that I think would fucking blow the roof off the goddamn place, right? Perhaps. And then you have, well, we'll get to that in a second, but then you have Edge versus Finn. Now, these guys is spooky for life with the Judgment Day. If Edge, either way, Bray could be the leader of the Judgment Day or or Edge could call on Bray to take down the Judgment Day because don't forget we have war games around the corner. So, you know, that's just the only reasoning there. And then Finn Balor was a guy that 
Bray destroyed once? Could he be uh, like an alliance there with a demon? Or there's just a lot of spooky potential there. That's why I said that. What about Halloween Bray? Remember Pumpkin Bray oh, and Jesus Pumpkin Christ. Fiend? That's a loose end that we never got. So if he's going to tie loose ends, you know, that's something that could be happening. Liv and Ronda, no. And then Riddle versus Rollins. So Rollins is where... Vince Mc... Rollins let it out of bag that Vince McMahon was the one that pretty much booked that shit with like the jack the jackhammer and the silly wonkiness and Rollins crying and the fiend just no selling curb stomp after curb stomp and that was all Bray. I mean that was all Vince. It wasn't Bray. It wasn't Rollins. That's what Rollins revealed. So that could be a red heron that a purpose for them to go off and do whatever because Rollins hasn't been the same since, you know, intervening with the Bray and with Rollins saying that I want to be the top guy. I want to be the top guy. You know, Bray could be a feud for Rollins to kind of prove whatever. But on the other side, you have Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is best friends with Randy Orton. Randy Orton is the last one to Kill the Fiend. Send him off. He was the last one to beat him. That was his last match. You could target Matt Riddle to get to Brandy to get to Randy Orton, which is a loose end. So I don't know. And a fight pit would be a really cool way for the Fiend to kind of come up in with all the red lights and the ominous music. But the only reason I'm saying no is because you got DC in there as that special ref, as we'll get into no. So I could see any of these matches besides really Ronda being a spot for the fiend to kind of come back and do whatever the hell he's going to do. And that's really good booking. So it's, it's, it's a great idea for, uh, it's been great booking as in, yeah, it's the Bray. We were like 95% sure that it's 99% sure that it's Bray, but what the fuck is he going to do? And to leak it out that it's going to be at this pay-per-view where he is revealed, not necessarily showed up, but revealed. It's like, Hmm. Where is he going to show up if you look deep into it? So that's kind of the, that's the gem to me. Not not the who, it's the when and the why. So, you know, that's kind of, there hasn't been that much news this week. So I figured we'd take this little news segment and wrap up the White Rabbit. Because it might be the last time we'd be talking about the White Rabbit before it is revealed. I mean, I, I like that we're talking about the guy that, yes. I mean, there's so many places that he could fit in and it does kind of show you what a lasting effort that character had while he was in there and uh there's so many little things that could fit in and there's not a lot of dudes that could disappear and come back with so many options to come back in all these different matches which is pretty goddamn cool absolutely so uh, like i said we we talked it out i'm optimistic and i um i'm hopeful that it works because you know i don't hate bray but i you know i just i want it to work out and i i would trust triple h's gut So TV report of the week. we got Extreme Rules coming up, but let's just hit two quick subjects before we dip deep into that card. Um, one being Roman and the Bloodline, of course. You know, we talked Bray a lot last episode. We talked Bray a lot this episode. Last week, we, we kind of dove deep into the Bloodline. I don't want to necessarily do that, but but Rossi, I got a question for you, buddy. We're going to Worcester, right? The Bloodline's on fire. The Bloodlines, money, they're the biggest draw on TV. No ifs, ands, or buts. Besides a break tease, that is. But 
So you mean to tell me that the the bloodline in Roman Reigns especially is advertised for Worcester, and they are advertised for Brooklyn three days later on Monday Night Raw. So does Roman fly home to Pensacola, Florida, or is he staying in the Northeast? And will the bloodline in potentially Roman Reigns be included on Extreme Rules? And is that something that we kind of overlook too with the Fiend that hey maybe he's showing up for something not involving the card and D'Amato is in for something special that we don't even see coming at Extreme Rules. So is uh is the blood is the big dog flying home or is he kind of just hanging out in the northeast God's country? I can't imagine that he's flying home. I mean you're talking I mean do they have a house show? Is he advertised for house shows on Sunday? Um yeah. that's something to think about but um because I know he has done a few of them lately. Um he did a match with AJ in Canada last week or whatever but um yeah, maybe there's something with Logan Paul in the pay-per-view, um, it's, which wouldn't be a bad idea because you have like that Peacock crowd that probably doesn't watch regular TV, but might pop into the, the pay-per-views. So maybe they do something like a pull-apart brawl with Logan Paul in the show. Um, yeah, because the Usos don't even have a match either. So, um, or Sammy I, or to Solo. So. Yes. Yeah, so, they, I mean, you you got to think that there's something like – I don't know. I mean, they're doing the Logan Paul thing on Friday, too, but they could definitely overflow that to the next night and really kind of use that as a vehicle to advertise Crown Jewel. Um, Other than that, I don't know what else he would fit into. And I don't think you'll want to put Fiend, like kind of what we were saying, like you don't want him to do anything with Bray and him yet. So um, I would keep them apart. So it would have to be just overflow of the Logan Paul story, which is good advertising. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know if it'll happen the next night. Yeah, well, they're going to have their first face-to-face in Worcester on SmackDown on Friday. Rocco, do you think the Bloodline's going to be booked with or without Roman Reigns for Extreme Rules? And there's like a, I don't want to say there's going to be a pre-show match, but you could see Solo having a pre-show match against whoever, or maybe the, I doubt the Usos, but maybe Sammy or something. Yeah, I mean, you would think that the tag titles would be a nice thing to have on the line since there's only uh, one other title besides uh, the women's titles being defended that night. So maybe... They'll book something. I don't know what kind of tag team is there. Like, I mean, how many times are you going to do the uh, Street Profits versus uh, New Day? I said New Day. Maybe New Day could do something. I don't know. I think the Philly crowd is going to lose their shit on Logan Paul. I don't think that's really what they're going to want to have. Maybe they don't care, but I do not see Logan Paul getting a positive crowd, <laughs> a positive reaction to Philly. Um, I mean, Santa's definitely cooler than him, and look what happened. Um it's interesting because you we're talking about the, the you're talking about the title with Roman before, and it's kind of like no one is no one cares about the title, right? Like no one's going for the title. So a lot of people are kind of ambling like he's got no feud but Logan Paul right now, which is kind of stupid. So maybe maybe he comes out. Yeah, I don't really know, man. I feel like you gotta at least have someone in the in that faction booked unless they do the old like uh there to like that's the thing like if he comes and he's there to scout like he's got no one to scout no one's no one's trying to get into a match with roman so it's gonna be interesting i feel like they're gonna add some sort of tag something just to get a uh, hot fucking uh you know you can't go wrong with a day one match on there so yeah i feel like somehow they're gonna get a tag match in there very cool very cool all right so damato i got a history question for you buddy in your history of watching wrestling old as it is um <laughs> where does roman fall in star power wise you know if if hogan and austin are at the 10 where would you perceive uh and bruno bruno's a 10 too i don't think you're that old but 
<laughs> where would you fall, where would you put Roman on that? Uh, well, right. Roman was no match for that Gotch Hackensmith match that I was at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Adam. Nah, this is this is how I break it down. I ask people. It's it's like there was there were ob, there was obvious there was an obvious star of each decade. Like the seventies was Bruno, eighties was, was Hogan, nineties was uh, Austin, two thousands was Cena, and then you get into two thousand tens. It's kind of a little dicey, probably Undertaker. But the the two the so far the the twenty twenties are definitely definitely where Roman stood out. Uh, for for a while there was that criticism that. Uh, that uh, that you know management and WWE that they just that they don't want they don't want to give that one guy that power anymore. So you know they they they're exchanging wins and losses and uh, then they're not really making that guy. But Roman's really uh, separated himself uh, apart from the pack. Uh, this run has been epic. Uh, even though it's been criticized, you know, like Rocco said earlier, like like yeah, but you know, a champion that hardly wrestles. But it wasn't always the case. But you know, you know that's a fair criticism. But I think this uh, this title reign's been epic, and uh, everything with the bloodline has uh, has set him apart as a as the major star of the of the decade, or you know, a couple of years in. So can I volume you a 2010 and say it's the it's the Brock Lesnar decade? Yeah, uh, that, that, that the 2010s are debatable. I I, I think right I, 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 I I think I nailed the other ones pretty well, but uh, yeah. yeah, that that's that's debatable. Where you know, you could say Taker, you could say Brock, you could say a lot of. You, you can still say, you know, Cena for the first, you know, parts, I guess. But, but that's a tough one. That's where things get dicey right there. That's true. The the thing with Roman, though, is that there's – they didn't spend five fruitless years not fucking up the entire company trying to make all those other guys big deals. <laughs> they didn't wreck the whole thing. Like, this company's been obsessed with Brock for three years and Roman. Like since I think it was three years ago that Brock killed, uh, destroyed Kofi, right? I think that just happened. Yeah. And it's like two years of this Roman thing, and they've literally just they've destroyed everything just to make these guys so epic. And not to mention the Roman for the past, you know, from 15 to 20, where people are dying for someone else to be that. Mm-hmm. So like none of those guys like yeah, The Rock failed as a fucking babyface for a month and a half and then became The Rock. Austin became it organically bruno like whatever roman's doing now is so non-organic that it just finally worked when they could have had that dude do that in 2016 if he was doing this character because he's obviously a cool dude and this is kind of an extension of like how he seems to present himself to uh, when wrestlers talk about him in the back but they just they they were so obsessed this was so obsessed with these two guys they 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 stuck the titles together he just nothing but that mania main event that had to be stupendous and the titles are combined and now that's all fucked up so it, to me the roman the roman reign is it's cool it's very weird for them to have a sneaky heel be the champ because he used to be the clobberer now he's the fucking uh backdoor winner which is kind of weird to me but like they, they don't have that up and down the roster thing that they could have because you don't believe anyone's ever going to beat the guy like they've never established the dude because they were so obsessed with Brock and Roman, Brock and Roman for so fucking long. And uh, Austin and Rock never took away from the other guys being something. I mean, Hogan had a, a clearly defined main event area, but like the other guys were still like uh, given attention and are memorable. And some of them, like even the, the mid card guys. So to me, that's the biggest thing with the Roman thing is it was like, it, like it just, it's like, I don't know, a guy asking a girl out for fucking 10 years. And finally she says, yes, like, 
all right, we finally found this version of this dude. We, you let him grow out his beard and not have a stupid goatee and not talk like an idiot. And now <laughs> like, he's got great fucking uh, character, but there's so much carnage in his wake. The whole mid card is destroyed. They have to reestablish the mid card titles now because they fucked up for two years d- doing nothing but Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar duty. So to me, that's the biggest problem with Roman being this epic uh, generational wrestler right now. Yeah, dude, come on. Look at his fucking resume. There's no one touching that. Being the got building... nine matches. He's got nine matches. What the fuck is that a resume? What are you talking about? Look up the fucking the last three years. He's been up and down the card. He just went part-time. And if he was going to go part-time, they shouldn't have put the belts on him. But that fucking lead booker isn't even there. So that's not on them right now. That's on Vince as being fucking incompetent. Well, now they're just dealing with what they were given. They were given a fucking company that was destroyed to make him the big deal. And now they're just fucking putting shit together. Destroyed? How is the company fucking destroyed on Roman? When was the Intercontinental Champion? Like, when? Who are the guys that you believe could be? In a, look at the fucking what was the Armageddon like Hell in the Cell in 2000? There was like six dudes that you believed could have won the world title. There's yeah, no six dudes you believe would win the world title. Every other week that back then. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, because they had guys that you believed could win the belt. Name name six guys that you believe could be the world champion. The fucking you just the next had Drew McIntyre, where half the fucking people thought he was going to win it, and you had a whole fucking arena of sixty five thousand people thinking and clamoring for him to win. They yeah, if that match happened in America, no one awesome would have thought that. No one would have thought that. And us marks actually thought that there was a chance of that. That's only because it happened in that country. If that match happened in America, no one would have thought he was going to win. No, because they protect Drew to get him to that point. And yeah, yeah, they had this that place booked out for a year. They could have done it in February. They could have done it in March. They could have done it in April, whatever. But they hold out because they had it there and they built built to it and they delivered on a huge thing. And right now, is Logan Paul going to beat them? No. Should Logan Paul beat them? No. They have Survivor Series. And what, are they going to just beat them now because it's not WrestleMania season? You have WrestleMania season coming around. We're going to see if The Rock's there. If not, The Rock's been holding this company. The, the more the, Not The Rock. Not Roman. The Rock has been holding this company up more than Roman, if you think about it. The, the well, I don't think storytelling should be dictated. So for this epic bloodline fallout is is really what it is. Who should have beat him? Tell me, who should have beat him? A guy that they had built up for the last three years instead of jerking off over Brock and Roman for the last two years and only giving those guys decent fucking characters. Okay, the day one, the COVID, so they pushed it back to WrestleMania. WrestleMania should have been the blow-off. Vince is incompetent. Cody got injured. Orton got injured. Riddle wasn't ready. Um, Whoever once, Vince panicked and went to Brock. They had two guys lined up. They both got hurt on a whim. So he went to his shitty bullpen, and it's Brock Lesnar. (laughs) The match fucking ruled. Who cares? He's the general manager. If he's got a shitty bullpen, that's on him. That, exactly. He's not there anymore. Not because he's shitty manager, because he fucked too many broads. <laughs> but you can't tell me that Roman Reigns is killing this company. Give me a fucking break. This is the I'm hottest you, they've ever been. It's not the hot. This is the hottest the, the company's ever been. Ten years. This is the hottest that they've been. Not ever, obviously, but this is the hottest they've been since the since what sixteen. Yeah, and that's not a great track record to have right there, man. And that, and the, before that, the hottest they would been was what twelve around the rock hanging around, and the hottest before that was oh seven, and then before that was the Attitude Era. Yeah. So th- they are peaking. Six years of middling is is a uh, is not the greatest thing to have in between uh, times of hotness. But anyways, business has gone up with Roman Reigns in charge. 
with Roman Reigns at the head of the saddle, and whoever they they gonna they're setting someone up. And is, should the two titles be on them? Absolutely not. It should be one title. It should be the blue belt, and that's it. When you say business is up, what do you mean? Business is up. Popularity, ratings, oh. uh, Peacock, fucking YouTube, um, rights, whatever. Popular, like, popular, like the the fans' approval. You know what I mean? You look at the Keller runs a poll, Solo Monster runs a poll. Those those are up when they were down the last ten years. You know, fifty five percent negative. Now it's like seventy five percent positive. And then of course you have your you know your your twenty percent each way that love it or twenty percent that hate it or whatever it was. And then there's the middling us like us. Or whatever, but I don't. Know. I just want Damato. Where if he's a? T- Anyways, finish the question, Damato. Where would you put him if the Rock's a t- if the Rock and Cena and Austin and are nines and tens? Where would you see Roman? Uh, I mean, probably just below, like an eight to eight point five. But it, you get you guys you guys both made a great point. Uh, uh, I, I kind of lean towards Rocco as far as the uh, the actual title reign itself. Has has been a especially this past year where you know like like you said you know nine defenses and eight of them were versus Brock that's a little dicey but the but like the week to week television with the bloodline and uh, you know yeah that that that's where I lean you know towards you towards the positive so and but so, I feel like Roman is the least interesting character in the bloodline right now that's the problem bloodline is because of Roman though if Roman but that doesn't matter he's the least interesting part of it like where is his agency he's a like, part-timer. It doesn't matter. Like they're like to me, he's just the least compelling part. Like everyone else has a better story. I mean, he's just doing like Ric Flair or Raven cosplay at this point, where he's like the guy and all this stuff yeah, he's is happening around. Cosplaying Raven, get the fuck out of here. Raven had a flock. Uh, Raven had followers. <laughs> Raven had people struggling to be like wanting him, his affection. I mean, Sami Zayn is pretty much fucking Stevie Richards in this Richard. fucking thing right now. <laughs> Roman Reigns is insecure because fans rejected him, so he isolated himself around his blood, and now he is the leader of the fucking company. That's good storytelling. If you want me to lay out his fucking resume of matches, we can go over that, and it's going to blow out fucking any of these other guys in the last 15, 10 years of resume of matches. Get out of here with that. That It's not living up to the hype. Because he he, at the end of the day, Crown Jewel, WrestleMania, SummerSlam. That was all the fucking Brock Lesnar matches. Fucking three. Give me a break. Anyway, 8.5. Good hype. (laughs) (laughs) Gunther versus Sheamus. The war in Worcester. The rematch of the Clash of the Castle is set for Friday on SmackDown. One day before Extreme Rules. Rossi, we're going to get some bullshit finished because you got the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium right after this, the night, 24 hours later. Uh, It doesn't really see, it smells fishy. What do you think? Yeah, I can't see this being a a finish. Maybe they um they do a the final singles match in Saudi or something. Um, but it I'm pissed that they announced that six man when they did. Obviously they had to because this is the night before the show. But you know, especially because we'll be there live, like we kind of know that this is going to be like ten to fifteen minutes of awesome with some fuckery at the end, and and that's lame. Um, but. Hey, it's a TV match. We're still going to get to see them beat the shit out of each other for a few minutes. So uh, it could be a lot worse. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I just, uh, the motto, 
can the hype can it live up to the hype of the Clash of the Castle? And if there is some fuckery here that we kind of suspect, does he does he think it tampers that in any way? Yeah, but but what's wrong? Uh, the Clash of the the Castle was was a great match, you know, close Absolutely. to a classic. So 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 what's wrong with with running it two, three, four, four times? Uh, ever since uh, the boss of another company said, "Oh, we don't, uh, you know, repeat the same matches uh, like WWE," but but why not? If if the match is great, why not? And of course, obviously for SmackDown, they're gonna have to temper it down because uh, you know they may have to go go to a commercial and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna keep the the pace down and and it, it'll be different than a than a PLE match, but it's still gonna be great. So, so what's the problem? Well, apparently, fucking two minutes ago, you can have three matches and it's fucking well overdone. <laughs> Wow, look at you holding on stuff. Rocco, is Seamus winning this? Is this, or is with the PLE that being the next day? Listen to us saying PLE. What fucking mocks? Um, with extreme. Rules, with <laughs> I will extreme, never, I will never say that. They're pay-per-view. I don't. They, they got me. They got me there with the extreme rules pay per view next day. Is this a sneaky way to get the belt on Seamus so Walter can get his heat back the next day in the six man tag? And is it is it like sneaky good booking in that way too? Yeah, that seems a little silly to me. I think it's this is uh yeah just set up to just go crazy. I feel like it you know obviously having like a bloodline uh be on there, but like you know you want to have like a match that people are gonna get psyched about. So you know you're you're uh you're getting the people who like a you know a good old a match on the SmackDown. Like it's they're calling it the the uh, season premiere, right? So what's the you know you had the one of the most highly regarded matches of the year. Well, we'll do it again. You'll tune in and watch it because you want to. You hope it's going to be better. And uh, you know, I, I trust these guys to both tell a different story, right? Like they 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 know what they're doing, so they could tell a a cool story, but not just repeat the same match. So uh, uh, I don't think he's winning. I think there'll definitely be some uh, some uh, just a crazy brawlski happening, right? So, um, but uh, I do really love the Sheamus. Uh, way of getting becoming a babyface, which is such a cool way that they did that. Not they they didn't do it. It just was a way like a by attrition, a guy became a face and a whole faction became a, a faction of faces just by being like tough dudes and by getting your ass kicked a little bit in a match and not quitting. Um, not to bring up ECW again, it's very Tommy Dreamer getting ten uh, ten cane shots. You know, like that got him over. And Sheamus didn't need to get over, but it got him. It gave his character a a cooler place to be at, which is them as faces so yeah i think this is going to turn into a big old uh um a little uh wildness so no yeah, anyway. it could be, could be a little decent window because these two teams are you know gnawing at each other and it even spilled into nxt this week where mm. imperium and came out and crossed cost the balling brutes their nxt title match against pretty deadly so i could see a scenario where you know, we get a ref bump ski or whatever, and then these guys just kind of brawl out, and then Walter takes a flash pin, or Sheamus catches them after a distraction or something. But anyway, let's just let's just place our feet, you know, in February real quick and be like, all right, Butch, who you know, Pete Dunn is called fucking Butch now, and it was so egregious, and it was just like, there's no surname, it's not Butch Dunn. They're changing his name to Butch, and then he's coming, eh, it's his nickname. It's, it's it's an easy out down the road, but he's still Butch. He's been Butch for whatever. But And then Ridge Holland breaks Big E's neck the, big, the next week, and then Sheamus is stale. He's dressed, why is he dressed like that weirdo? And then they have a 90-second match at WrestleMania, it's an afterthought. So, you know, February, March, 
April is not a hot start for the Brawling Brutes. But these, like you said, Rocco, these guys just go out there and just fucking maul people. They go out there and just get over on on brute force and just and Butch being a hold me back guy and just being fucking insane and just showing a whole more character than Pete Dunn ever fucking had. And really, that whole ball got this whole group over, and just Sheamus just being so physical and awesome, and, you, and you're never realizing it. And then Ridge, the fridge, just kind of just kind of finding his groove and just being like a really solid tag tag guy at the end of the day. But man, these fucking these motherfuckers are over as baby faces, huh? Yeah, it's really cool, man. I'm just waiting for them to call him the butcher weight instead of the. Uh... Bruiser weight. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'd wear that shirt. Hey, you okay. you wear that shirt to a lesbian bar, you'd be over, man. Wow. <laughs> I, was nice. more, I was going more for the duel the butcher, but uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the butcher weight. I like that. Wow. Hey, if you're into that, there's nothing wrong with that. Anyways, um, all right. So that's kind of where we're at with the brawling brutes and the Imperium. So let's use the, let's transition that into the extreme rules card. Now, so you guys are over here making match predictions and orders, and I'm like, God, you stole my fucking gimmick. So I took there's only six matches. I wrote down the order I think is going to happen. The first match being the Brawling Brutes in versus Imperium in a good old fashioned Donnybrook. Now, this is the second good old fashioned Donnybrook. It's just a street fight, but with gimmicks. But anyways, the first being uh, the night before SummerSlam where Drew McIntyre defeated Sheamus and became the number one contender for Cardiff. Um, now, D'Amato, are you looking forward to this Donnybrook or what? Have you ever, when was the last time you were in a Donnybrook? Uh, I think I think Donnybrook is going to be the, the referee for the match. <laughs> <laughs> good old fashioned. Now, am I looking forward to it? Come on, that's... Uh, Got to be the least uh, educated question you've ever asked on this show. Of course, I'm, uh, look, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. Uh, just going to sit back and, and enjoy it. And uh, I think uh, uh, Walter will get the win on uh, SmackDown, and uh, the the Brutes will uh, come back and, uh, and and get a victory over Imperium on uh, on this uh, on this uh, good old fashioned Donnie Brook here. Yeah, I I I I call my bookie Friday night as soon as that IC title match is final and be like, hey, give me the other guy in the other team. For yeah, the win there. yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much a done deal. Okay, keep both uh, keep both these crews strong, but that definitely uh, it, it's so enjoyable whenever when when these guys are on the the screen that no, no matter what happens, there's definitely gonna be a high high rated match. And nobody's gonna complain about this one. Now, Rocco, I think it was you and I that were like, we need to call these guys fight night because they kept saying fight. Night, yeah. night, night. So, I in the long run, I kind of like the brawling brutes. I think it just fits them much better. You know what I mean? But I, yeah. I like fight night, and I do. I just like them screaming fight night. You know, whatever. Yeah, I like it better as like a. Yeah, it's better as like a calling card. As like, yeah. yeah, it's time, and then we are the brawling brutes, and it's, it, and that's just the thing too. When we're talking like a little little trips era, a little Vince era, is Vince hated factions. I mean, there was the faction wars of the bullshit break was that time, but like. He never really truly like appreciated what a faction is could do, especially merchandising like a, a shirt that says like brawling brutes. Like that's good. people are going to eat that shit up. Right. Like and it's such a cool thing. But who do, would you have thought that in 2020 Seamus would be a fucking baby face in a match with Walter in <laughs> over baby face too. right in Philadelphia? In fucking 2022, he's going to be the baby face. And that is insane. If you just go six months, six, three months, right? Like, it's crazy how, like, cool that is. And I'm for it because he seems like a fucking pretty solid dude, right? So, yeah, um, this match is going to fucking rule. 
and then even rewind to last SmackDown, where just Seamus was so good in that sympathy role, where they just slapped the shit out of him. He acknowledged that his friends wasn't there, and he was the toughest guy in the room trying to take on all these fucking Imperium guys. And he, they just chopped the shit out of him, but he kept fighting, and he kept showing grit. And fucking Seamus rules. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. I, I'm kind of hoping they do... I think it's time for, like, Ridge to get a little shine-ski, too, right? Like, I feel like he's the one that's still... I, I watching his match on NXT, I was like, wow, like I forgot. I, I never paid as much attention as he definitely could go. But I feel like it would be really cool for him to have like a, a shining moment. Right. Yeah. Well, Ridge the Fridge. How about that nickname, by the way? That's <laughs> yeah, a little cold. There was already a fridge in WrestleMania, too. All right. So the second match I think it's going to be on the card is. Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a ladder match for the Raw Women's Title. I can see this going last. I can see this going first, but I kind of slaughtered it second. Uh, I don't really think there's a bad spot for this match. I think it should be good. I just don't know if they trust Bailey enough to kind of go long term. She's kind of uh, still kind of skating back into her role on the you know on the roster here. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I just figured that it'd be a safe spot to have a second. You know, if it's a little wonky, it's second. You forgot about it. If it's good and memorable, second, you know, we'll just keep the momentum of the show going. Uh, Rocco, what do you think? You think uh, this is the time to give Bailey the belt? You think this is the ladder match being a good opportunity where Bianca Belair doesn't have to be pinned for Bailey to get it? Or is it really a ladder match for one to make it important being the first ever singles ladder match for women? which is kind of crazy in 2022 being so progressive and all with the women's division, or is this a way to protect Bailey and for not having to get either woman pinned? First of all, I think it'd be insane if it's the second match of the card. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's the perfect way to get the title off Bianca and tell a different story with her. I think like we were saying before, it's the ter- perfect time for uh, Alexa just to go, listen, I'm just being, being your friend has gotten me my ass kicked for fucking six months or three, sorry, three months. So I'm done. I'm over with. Like, I think they took Oscar out on uh, Monday too. So I feel like if anyone's going to be in the, on the side, which it, you shouldn't have people on the side during a ladder match anyway. Um, if anyone's going to interfere, they, she only has one option. And I feel like that'd be a really cool moment and a good way to, to get Alexa that way. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it would be perfect and just a different story. And uh, Bailey with the title is going to be really cool because I I love her heel character. I think she's a fucking uh, I, I just love the bravado that she has and having the title would make it that much better. And she never pinned her, and that's always the cool part of like the champ not acknowledging that she didn't really pin. Sorry, the new champ not really acknowledging that she didn't actually pin her and just saying I I, I won and I didn't need any help at all. Even though like EO and Dakota are going to come in and. Uh, I, I I want to applaud on Raw, like whatever people have had, and I feel like the, the group has really coalesced coalesced a lot in the past few weeks. There was genuine heat at the end of Raw, like people were not happy about what was happening, and it wasn't like oh I don't like this booking. It was legit. The fucking uh, control fucking destroyed the 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 her and um, Alexa, and I thought that was really cool, and I thought it was kind of a turning point. So I really liked it. I thought that was pretty sweet, and. Uh, yeah, um, I really, I think Bailey winning it's gonna be fucking awesome. Uh, I think it's cute either way to protect either woman. I think both women are 
it's warranted. They both earned the spot of being the first ever singles, you know, for that trivia question down the road. So I'm happy they got that. But it um, could lead to a great, you know, like Bianca, if that's if they're going for a WrestleMania main event with her again, her winning the Rumble again could be a thing. I don't really think they need that. But like, I think know. her chasing is a cool thing to tell now. Like, I think it's time. I can see Bailey. The title needs Bailey more than Bailey needs the title, if that makes any sense. I'm um, excuse me. Bailey needs the title more than the title needs Bailey. Um, that that group needs some juice, in my opinion. And the title would be the perfect top spot to get it to her. All right. So the next match here we have is Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a good old-fashioned strap match. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is this has been good. Uh, it was a cool little tidbit where um they fucked up the fireball, and they you know that they had the wear of so. To kind of just go in and make it work, I thought it worked. Um, I love I love the nut shot, a good old fashioned nut shot. There is always make that work, and I liked how Cross um, choked out Drew, and I like how Cross keeps getting the upper hand as Drew. A trap is a good precursor to what could go on in this match here. I actually like Cross to win this match, and yes, Drew losing two pay per views in a row is weird, but. I think he can handle it. You know what I mean? I think you get I think this is kind of like a three match feud cross winning the strap match isn't gonna really hurt Drew in the long term and it could do a lot to help cross in the long run in the long term. Now Rossi, do you agree with that sentiment? No, not not getting into the whole Wyatt vibe that we went through down the road, just sticking kind of to this match. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh Cross has to win. I mean, this is his first time, you know, getting the big spotlight match. And obviously you need to get behind this guy. The The way that they introduced him kind of calls for him to win this match. And I think that the strap match is a way to kind of protect Drew. Um, whether they do, I don't know if they do a pinfall, maybe they do the four corner gimmick with this um, just to kind of keep it from being a pinfall finish. But I, I, as soon as they announced the strap, it's when I kind of realized that, that Cross was going to win this. And it sucks that that fireball didn't work because I feel like that would have uh, been a pretty cool visual, um, especially because that was right around when everybody was viewing in thinking that they were going to get that uh, 923 um, White Rabbit tease. But they fucked it up. That's just what it is. And, you know, we'll Which go from there. It could be in the long run if you think about it. But we're not going to go that again. Well, it's kind of like a rest of development. Where'd the fire come from? Still impressive, right? She pulled fire out of, out of nowhere. It, if you're going to do Fiend again, didn't Fiend have a Daniel Bryan match with a, a strap match too? Yeah, the Rumble. Yeah, right. So. The strap matches are cool. The JBL and Eddie Guerrero strap match is like epic. Um, Wahoo Tully is the one strap match I always think about in uh, it was Houston. That's a fucking brutal ass match. And I guess Sting Vader too is another real popular one. Uh, yeah, the the most popular being like Lisa Ann versus Raquel Ryan, like that Rochelle Ryan or whatever name is. That strap match is epic. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. That a submission sorority uh, <laughs> pay per view that you want? Oh, uh, give me a winner here. Let's see what your thoughts on this one. The strap match. Yeah, I think uh, Cross with some uh, shenanigans. Okay, uh, I'm I'm here for that. All right, speaking of shenanigans, this one's going to be full of it, in my opinion. You got Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Honestly, the Judgment Day fucking own Monday Night Raw. 
they just eat it. I don't think I think the Judgment Day is much better now than it was at the beginning of the Judgment Day around you know past WrestleMania and really getting into it. Even they found its footing after kicking Edge out. It was still murky or whatever. Uh, you know Rhea's injury and all. But once Rhea kind of caught this dominatrix role and pulling the strings on Dom and the whole Dom getting on his knees in front of his daddy and just kind of mocking him. This is the most interested I've ever been in Rey Mysterio in a long, long time. Dom's doing really good in the role for whatever Dom's going to be within this role. Um, Rhea's awesome. I'd love to see her get healthy. You know, we talked about that a little bit last episode, Rossi, where we're, we're not really sure if she's healthy because she's not really wrestling, but she doesn't really have to wrestle right now. And then, you know, the reports of Finn going to get a big push ski coming out with the new regime. And you would think that's true with Triple H being his boy. And, uh, you know, in Priest is fine. He's an upper mid card guy. He's a really good tag guy at the end of the day. But Priest is just fine within this role. So the Judgment Day has sucked, but it's starting to catch its groove, in my opinion, and find its footing. It's the most interested Ray's been. That was a hell of a promo edge cut this night on last week on Monday Night Raw. You got Beth Phoenix lurking, too. So they could go down two roles here. Finn Balor should win this match, in my opinion. Finn Balor will win this match, in my opinion. Edge said, I quit in a really weird way. So they could go WrestleMania or Royal Rumble 99 vibes with the Rock and Mankind and have Edge voices recorded. Or they could go rest to SummerSlam 2006, where full Edge is forcing, forced to quit because they got Molina trapped or they get get Beth trapped or something. Or they can get really fucking Judgment in Judgment the, the, Judgment D Day and get fucked with his kids or some shit like that. That would bring this shit to the next level since they're fucking with Ray's kids. They could fuck with Edge's kids. I thought that would be a really fun twist. But um, I don't know. Uh, Rossi, where do you see this one going? So I'm kind of interested in how AJ's been lurking around this feud, um, especially with how he shoved Ray on Monday um, and kind of started showing, like, the heel tendencies. Um, and then Finn okay. didn't... Well, I'm just I'm just thinking here. Um, there's got to be something to the AJ stuff um, with Finn personally. But continue. Yeah. With Finn having the, the chair around his neck and then not doing it and then keep saying, like, I'm your friend. Uh, this is what's best for you. Things of that nature. I don't know. It's just it's something in the back of my head that I don't want to rule out. Like, obviously, he doesn't really fit in Judgment Day, but it could be a way to start to turn him like to the dark side. Now, obviously him and him and edge have kind of already, you know, put their stuff together to kind of be that feud there. But ultimately I think Finn does have to win. Um, and I, you actually kind of stole my thought. I feel like Beth comes out and Rhea does something sinister to Beth. And that's what causes edge to quit. Um, I've been saying it the last two pay-per-views, like I thought, Judgment Day should have won at SummerSlam. I definitely thought they should have won at Clash of the Castle. Um, they lost both of them. If Finn loses this one on the third straight pay-per-view, I don't know what the fuck you're going to do with these guys moving forward. Edge doesn't need these wins. Um, he's Edge. You know what I mean? Um, Finn needs to get this type of win. And I quit match, especially when Edge was the one that issued the challenge. Perfect spot for Finn to jump in. And it's got to be something wacky, because what does Finn have for, for a submission move, right? Nothing that would actually finish him other than, like, the pipe-in-the-mouth thing that Edge has done. But, yeah, I mean, Finn's got to win. 
if they don't give this to Finn, I'm going to be pissed off. Um, and then we'll go from there. And I think Beth is going to be something bad's going to happen to Beth to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I can't see edge saying I quit voluntarily as a baby face. So something's up. Um, I'm here for it. And I agree. Finn should win. Tomato, you got anything on this? Is this your least anticipated match on the card? You know, if we're going to steal my old gimmick. No, that's a tough one. I I would think the one uh, the one you're going to do next is probably the least anticipated in this in this humble opinion. But yeah, it's it's down there. But hey, there's only six matches. They're all uh, you, you don't see too many uh, breather uh, matches. So so it's, it's banger after banger. But after uh, banger. I I, uh, I agree with your guys' theory that it's probably gonna be something with uh, with Beth. Maybe uh, you know him. Uh, Edge would have to say I quit because Rhea is about to give her a concerto or something like that. So uh, that that's usually the only way the uh, the face uh, says I quit. So. Yeah. Uh, they do, somebody had brought it up in in one of the chats or something. That when was the last time like a face like legitimately? I, I think it was a Ray and uh, believe it or not, to Shavo. Like oh six when he had to go out with a bad knee. Yeah, on a SmackDown where he really quit like a bitch. That was a really, uh, that was a rare uh, where a face really. And that really heated up Chavo too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Not enough heat in the world for that. Uh, maybe uh, Ray will try to take uh, Pop Ray's other eyeball out of his head at Extreme Rules one year later or two years later, and that's how uh, Edge will say he quits and uh, to avoid another ping pong ball shooting out of Ray's skull. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the horror of it all um you mentioned aj before aj just seems like the angriest guy in the world right like he seems like the biggest jerk you'll ever meet in your entire life he's in interviews he's always yelling and i don't know um i feel like they, they're saving like a like the Rhea to come because it seemed like beth was primed to have a, a mixed tag right and i guess Rhea kind of got hurt like you were saying ryan so i feel like that's a match they really want to do and when they finally announce it it'll be interesting but then kind of edge and uh his wife have to win that one so yeah i mean i'm not that interested in this match at all but uh i'm sure there'll be like a bunch of dudes running out and there'll be some you know it's, i'm sure it's gonna be a wild uh you know there's gonna be a lot going on there's gonna be a lot of moving pieces so i'm pretty sure it'll stay interesting yeah i do I guess... not want i do not want a, a million fucking eye quits with you know like you said like a pipe in his mouth and all that dumb shit i do not need that yeah it's <sighs> I don't want to get the whole, like, this is my least anticipated match, but it's still like a five, really, you know what I mean? So the card's solid, so it's not like, it's like a middling match, but it just happens to be, like, the one that I could care the least about. If uh, only Roddy Piper was a lot. If only Roddy Piper was a lot. Oh, around. God. Yeah. What do you yeah. say, Edge? What do you say, Edge? <laughs> what do you say, Finn? What do you say, well, Bella? Edge, well, Edge puts on his kick pads. He's asking him if he wants to go up. What do you say, Bella? <laughs> if, only, if only we had him around to do that. Oh god, terrible. All right, so uh, Damato gave us a little hint of what we got next here. We got the Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown's women's title. I must say, this is the most interesting Liv has ever been in this current run she's in. I loved. Uh, let's. On, a, on the live scale, let's just say. I loved how they gave her that edge against Lacey. I love that swanton off the top. Not the swanton, the uh, cannonball type of move or whatever that she did off the top rope through the table to the outside. I thought that was super impressive. And I love how she emoted 
her excitement slash frustration release slash whatever it was. Um, she was very, in, she, uh, very live scale. Interesting that I think that she's starting to click and um, I think she's starting to click and they're going to take the belt off her. <laughs> what about you, Rocco? Yeah, it's funny because I believe last time we talked, I was kind of saying how I was a little like, ah, this, uh, this, this live run. And it has been a little uh, uh, wearing on me as I'm, I wanted it to be a little better. But like you said, that fucking SmackDown two ago was incredible. And uh, that dive was fucking sick. She took a, a, a fuck, fuck the haters kind of dive and said, I don't give a yeah, shit. That was and, she emoted that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And she really did handle herself on a microphone with people fucking booing her as a baby face better than I'm not saying Roman Reigns because we were arguing about it before. But Roman's gotten rattled. A lot of great people have gotten rattled with that response, and she handled it really fucking well, which is very impressive. And like you said, she has been like these last couple of weeks have been like, holy shit, this character I want. Where the fuck has this character been? Where is the person? Why is this person only fighting Ronda? Why is this? She's never had a she's never had the title as an offensive champion saying I want to fight people and like I'm coming for like. It's just, yeah, it's always been like, yeah, it sucks because it does seem like it's going to end. And she is at the point where it's like, this is the live I want to see now continue. So, hey, man, anything's possible. It's a fucking extreme rules match. A little fuckery and uh, some craziness can happen. And uh, if she wins, I will not I will be very happy. I do not need Ronda to win. And I really I'm liking what Liv is doing right now. So, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on that one, Ryan. Yeah, I just think that um, it wouldn't be the worst time to end it for Liv just because she's starting to peak. And then with her peaking in the title reign, you could kind of almost call it a success because at the end of the day, the the belt elevated her. You know, Rocky Waters at start, Rocky Waters in the middle, and then she just started catching her footing as the title reign came to the end. So you could call that, um, you know, a minor success. And she's been slowly climbing that ladder of success throughout her career. So I don't think it's a bad time to finish it. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think that Ronda, I'd like to see Ronda as champion in a Triple H universe. If, you know what I mean? With, with Triple H visions. Because mm. she is a kick-ass motherfucker. And she can be a kick-ass motherfucker. And what what's the part B of her getting the belt? with triple h's goggles directing it you know what i mean so i'm i'm not totally against ronda getting it with you know triple h at the helm don't forget triple h was the one that brought her in so um that's interesting all right absolutely the last match here the one i think would be the main event would be matt riddle versus seth rollins in a fight pit match now this feud has like Rollins has kind of drifted off and had started a Lashley feud in a way. Um, he's drifted off and talked about Roman, but the energy is still here of hatred towards these guys. Uh, I like the you can't touch me, but let's just like be prickly and throw flames on the fire right before the fight pit. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of the same stuff, but. They ignored it long enough and just brought light to it again. So I think that the fight pit is a good way to blow it off. If it's, you know, the Fiend returning, if it's DC helping, like, getting involved with either one of these guys, even if it's maybe the bloodline afterwards where Seth presents himself or Lashley somehow comes out being an old MMA guy. Um, 
I thought that there's going to be a three three match feud, and it could be down the road, but I think they're going to take a little hiatus away from each other after this way. Uh, I hope Riddle wins as a Riddle dude. Um, I kind of want Riddle to win. Um, I don't think Riddle Rollins should beat Riddle twice, and this is Riddle's match being an MMA fighter. Uh, Damato, what do you think, buddy? Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, with Daniel Cormier to to see how he uh, interjects himself in, in the match. He's a, a pretty big name, and uh, you know they love their MMA guys. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see if it leads to more appearances from from DC. But uh, yeah, I agree with you on, on just about it. Most of your points uh, where Riddle uh, Riddle needs this more, and it's leaning towards the uh, because Riddle hasn't really gotten a, a big victory in in, in a while, and uh, and it's going to be a hot crowd, so I'm going with Riddle. Cool. Now, do you think the fight pit is going to be in the, in the actual ring, or do you think it's going to be like adjacent to the side, like SummerSlam Lions Den style? Ah, what that... if blocking your seats, the model? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm not uh, too hip on the uh, architecture. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you a marine biologist, not an architect? Yeah, because, you know, everything else, you know, hell in a cell elimination where they just, you know, raise it from above. But here, you know, it's uh, it's below the ring. So that that's going to be uh, quite the spectacle. And you, you got me on that. I, I think it'll be something on the side there. Yeah. So you think this may be open or closed just because of the optics of it. You know what I mean? And the the assembling aspect and all that nonsense. But I don't know. Either one of you guys have any uh, input to the Rollins riddle blow off maybe, or Rollins riddle feud, or even the fight pit in general. Yeah, I think it has to be riddle. Um, after the, the match that happened um, when, at, you know, when he lost the title, he made it look like, or lost the title, lost the match, looked like a fucking idiot when he lost that, but it was just good storytelling. Um, he has to win this, um, and I don't think it's the last match either. I think they maybe blow this one off in Saudi um, because then, you know, in reality, he wins this one. They're going to have a tiebreaker, right? Um, they did release pictures of the fight pit today. Um, I've been oh, trying to yeah. find it the last couple minutes. It looks a little bit different than the the one they used in NXT, um, but it definitely looks like it's going to be, like, surrounding the ring completely. Um, so... Kind of, they have to shoot this one kind of weird, um, but they they're pretty good with that shit. So uh, DC is definitely going to add to it. Um, it should be one of those things that DC kind of has dissension with Riddle maybe early in the match, and then ends up maybe doing something that fucks over Rollins. But uh, as long as Riddle wins, I don't really care how they get there. Yeah, interesting. Now D- Cormier, you think what's his involvement? Is this the introduction to something? Does he kind of fall into a cushy announcer role to maybe fill the McAfee void for a little while? Is he going to be like a tag team partner for Saudi in some way? Or does it lead to like a Brock Lesnar match at Saudi? Brock Lesnar is going to be at Saudi is the rumors. And uh, I think it's all but confirmed possibly. So uh, Rocco, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, Trips has a much uh, better grasp on what uh, MMA is than uh, Vince would have. Because uh, he's obviously always been there. Uh, I mean, Cormier did have that uh, that Brock didn't Brock shoved him like a motherfucker after that one match. So they do have a history um, in uh, UFC. So um, yeah, I mean, shit, you got fifty million dollars of blood money. You might as well th- if you throw a couple of mil at Cormier. I don't know why he wouldn't take the fight out there and uh, have a, a little uh, a little match with Brock. I think it's gonna be 
Rollins going to mouth off to him. He's going to give him like a, you know, a Mike Tyson kind of punch to the face. And that's how Riddle's going to win at the end. I think Riddle's still going to like show up and like, it's going to be a competitive thing, but I feel like you're going to, if you got a special guest referee and he doesn't fucking do something like what the fuck's the point. Right. So, um, I mean, yeah, Rollins is still what he's doing, wearing weird clothes and uh, Riddle's a uh, sex scandal waiting to happen. So I still think there's a while. <laughs> I still think they're tentative on oh, putting, ti- t- putting the title on that guy uh, in some ways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this match is going to be interesting. Very much so. Very much so. All right. All right. Real quick throw in a DC and Saudi. I think there's a UFC show that day. Oh. Um, and he's one of their announcers. So. It's a fight night, so I don't know if they'd let him skip that if he was doing something Saudi, but I think that it's in Vegas, so I would maybe rule him out of Saudi just because of, you know, the UFC involvement. Interesting. Does he usually do the fight nights? Yeah, he normally does everything, so um, I I would definitely rule him out of this, but again, if he has this... Maybe Saudi in February or something? If he has this big money deal, then yeah, I mean, I just think he wrestles at Mania. Personally. Well, actually, how about him at day one in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe you like start the feud then and actually do the match at uh at Mania. Oh, Brock and DC at Mania. Come on, let's blow that off at like a B pay per view. <laughs> you know, let's give Brock something better than that at WrestleMania. Like a Brock, like a fucking Roman Reigns match, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> or one of those other guys they built over the last two years that could be a credible uh, opponent for Brock. Interesting. All right, so any do you think any other matches that they could throw out on this pay-per-view that we haven't thought of pre-show or not? Only six matches announced. A lot of names. Not well, on so there, right? Ricochet, Ricochet's wrestling solo on SmackDown, so I don't know if they do something to. I mean, Ricochet just they just jobbed last week with him and Madcap, so it's probably just a solo showcase match, but something could stem from that, uh, maybe. Maybe they do something. Do you think that – no, they're not going to – I'm thinking maybe they, they could find a way to do, like, Logan and uh, Ricochet against, like, the Usos or something. But, yeah, maybe uh, Logan or Sammy, but that's kind of – that would seem – On one night, on one day, Bill, I can't – Bill, I can't yeah. see that. And you got Owens not on this card. You got Gargano. You got a lot of dudes. You have no Lashley, you know, like, there's plenty of room. You can announce Gargano Theory the next premiere on Raw, which is the next day. So I oh, thought okay. that until I saw that. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I think we're going to add one or two more or probably at least one to the somehow. Definitely the pre-match show. I think a little multi-man with the, you know, the, the bloodline and, you know, a combination of what hit row Owens, something like that. Just a fun fucking six man or eight man or something. I definitely see that happening. Yeah, perfect. All right, but this pay-per-view is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the home of ECW. Now, for Rocco's Rambling Minutes, what do you got for us in ECW this week, buddy? Hello. Yeah, would it happen? Would it happen in there? And I was like, man, this is really cool. It's really, if this was just like in the Vince days, I wouldn't uh, really probably have thought too much. But it's like pretty cool that that's happening there. And you know, the the history of this pay per view is, uh, you know, it's one night stand ECW reunion shows and the one night stand uh, couple pay per views, which I guess when they went super PG, they were like, oh, we probably can't call it that. So <laughs> Extreme Rules started, and you know, that's how it happened. And 
ECW is a 30-year-old company in 2022, which is fucking wild. And uh, 21 years gone in 2020, uh, since 20, 20 years gone, yeah, too, which is like, holy shit. And it is wild that uh, Paul Heyman is still in this company booking and a major part. So, I don't know, it just kind of got my... Uh, my fire and my love for ECW never dwindles, but it's just been really been making me think about it. And it's getting me thinking about, like we were talking about with Anoki and hoping to embrace some of the, the pasts. And it's tough with ECW because there's not a lot of dudes in alive <laughs> that were there. But it was just such a real time in wrestling. And that's kind of what I was talking about before with, uh, I don't think Vince really gets, ever really got uh, characters. He wanted to make everything a superstar. And taking away some of the realness of people and ECW just had that. And there was the idea of the music and the videos and everything really existing at the time. And it made you feel like it, it seemed to exist with the times where wrestling a lot of times seems to exist outside of what's happening in the times it's in ECW always seemed to be happening with the times. And it was just a, a it was my favorite fandom was my ECW in the uh, mid to mid 90s to 2000s when it ended love because there's just so many styles and some of my favorite wrestlers of all time have come from that. And I look at the list of like if I'm going to write a list of some of my favorite wrestlers and you have Sabu, Bam Bam, RBD, Funk, Cactus, Tajiri, Sandman, like there's a lot of dudes that are my favorite dudes to watch and not necessarily the guys that some that would make a WWE 100 list or greatest wrestler list. But I just the guys I love to watch and even the technical guys like a Malenko Guerrero matches. I love their early matches in ECW way better than their more polished matches later, just because I just like it. I just liked it when it was more uh, carnal, I guess, in a way not to be said. And the thing with ECW was that it was cool. It was a cool product. It was a product you could put on for a non fan and they would be like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? And with we started to talk about when Trips took over WWE, where I was hoping, like, is this the chance WWE can become a cool product again? And Ryan, you have a bigger fan than we talked about our years of disliking it. But I think you could admit it's 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 not been the coolest thing for a while. There's musical choices. There's uh, decisions that they make and character motivations and silly humor that are silly are, are fucked up. But like now there seems to be a chance because because NXT was the last cool wrestling product. It was a cool thing to watch. You could show people NXT in, in 17 or whatever, and they'd be like, what the fuck is this? And I've done it, the non-wrestling fans. So uh, just this, uh, I don't know, just being in Philly, I just, I, I, I'm I getting, I get, ex I've gotten excited. And I love the, uh, the idea of these stories being told in a more old school way, a territory way, an ECW way, and seeing some of these new guys come up and have the chance to do that without a Vince McMahon making everything a superstar because Vince McMahon didn't understand that like sports celebrities are people love them because they do amazing things, but they become legends because of who they really are. And Vince kind of always wanted to take away the, uh, the humanity from wrestlers, you know, the superstar or whatever they would call them. And it makes me think of ECW because that was very much, you saw who that guy was in that match. So I get excited for the trips version and this kind of made me think about it. And I am rambling here, but I don't know what your guys are uh, histories with the ECW are. And if you look at it more as I loved it or as it's important historically, and I appreciate it that way, or I don't know, like I, I've never really talked about it with you, Ryan or you, Mike. So uh, I don't know. I'm just curious. And just, you know, the pay-per-view being in Philly just kind of really got me like thinking about it. And the fact that Paul Heyman has been involved in the biggest 
storyline in WWE for the past couple of years is pretty wild that he was that guy doing that counterculture thing in 1992, three, four, you know, whatever. So I don't know. Uh, if that makes sense. Uh, what do you, what are your guys thoughts? And does this, when you see extreme rules, do you think of ECW or was that a little too before your time? Yeah. Guys like Matt Hardy, Mark Henry, Jack Swagger. <laughs> Seamus O'Shaughnessy when he first debuted. <laughs> you stole, you stole my joke. You fucker. <laughs> Listen, Not. without ECW, there'd be no ECW WWE, which became NXT, which became the coolest thing in the world. So there is there's a direct line, right? Yeah. No, just as a kid putting on the Spanish channel on a Saturday night in between Spice, which was the Spice channel, which is porno. But anyways, being a you know 13 year old kid and putting on the Spanish channel. And just seeing guys in tie-dye just cutting was my introduction to the ECW and not really knowing what that really was until like later on in the 90s and early 2000s. And then once it it went to TNN on what was that late 99, early 2000 for that year or whatever is really when I watched the most of it because of accessibility. So I always knew about it. I always thought it was cool and there was always this aura around it for me. But just remembering seeing it and then remember kind of tuning in to TNN and kind of catching a groove with it in its later stages. Um, And then, you know, obviously the resurgence of 2005 and six of it being like, wow, ECW is awesome. And then going back into the deep diving then, and then just being utterly disappointed with the WWE relaunch besides one legged woo, woo, woo. Um, That's kind of my thoughts of just, you know, of be just being like definitely the cool thing as a a teen and a preteen of being like, wow, what is this? edgy stuff and underground stuff and you know only the cool guys know about it really you know yeah it almost seemed like a different thing than wrestling right like it seemed different and that's i got into ecw before i had a fallow period and i was watching ecw and i never even correlated oh maybe i should start watching like wwf again because i just was like oh this is this cool crazy thing i watch when i come home from the bar or after a rangers game or you know like like you said, finding it on some weird channel. And it was part of the hunt. And like you said, it did make you, 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 you had to find it. You had to, you, you had to want to watch it to watch it. And you usually found it by accident, but then searched it out. And there's so few things like that, especially now, you know, it, it really can't, not many things could really be that way now, which is like, oh, I watched the last 10 minutes of this ECW card and what the fuck happened? Like, I think it's very cool. And, uh, um, uh, Mike, I don't know if you've ever discussed this with me or not. No, I don't think I have. Like, so back when, like, the Nitro and Raw days, I would, you know, tape one on VCR and then watch the other one live um, pretty much before, as much as I could before I got, like, way too late when I was younger because I was probably, like, 12, 13 in that time frame. So um, sometimes it, would, but it was a Monday night, right? I was, I was normally in bed kind of early. Um, but I remember always taping, like, the local access channels from, like, 1 a.m. to like 4 a.m. every every Saturday night because ECW was going to be on at some point then, right? You never really knew when it was starting, but you would just kind of tape it longer just so you were, you know, <laughs> able to get the window when it was on. And it was just so cool. Like, I probably really started getting into it around, like, when they invaded Raw because I was actually at a Raw in Worcester where they did, like, a Jerry Lawler. Um, I think it was Jerry Lawler and Heyman had, like, a debate. And, and that was like the very first night that they did the Raw's War set. 
in Worcester. So that was kind of when I really started to get into it. And they actually came to Worcester a couple of times with the Palladium here. Um, but I just didn't have like friends that were into it at the time. So I didn't go. Um, but it was, it was cool. I always liked ECW. I actually went to an ECW house show in, in Fitchburg um, when they did WWE ECW, um, which was just a trip, like just having tests, like pretty much have like a steroid freak out, like two inches from me. It was kind of crazy. Um, but it was cool to like, you know, always see the nostalgia ECW stuff over like the years I went to manias and stuff like, you know, Sandman having a sick entrance at WrestleCon. Like it's stuff like that, that like, as I'm older and like not having been able to really experience that as a kid, like having that moment makes me feel like I had like 75% of what the real ECW experience was, you know? So that's, that's really where I was. Like always loved Raven and I always would follow the guys that left ECW a little bit closer when they ended up in WWE or WCW. Um, always was a super fan of it. I was able to go to the ECW arena um, when I was down there for uh, rumble in 2015, they did an ROH taping the night before, which had like a really sick card at the time. So I was really happy to get to see a show there because I was like, you know, I'm in Philly. I've got it. When am I going to have this chance again? Um, and that's where I'm kind of excited to see with like Philly getting mania um, in 2014, how that's going to really play out. Like, how's the arena going to be involved? Like, who's going to run that? Um, will it be off limits because somebody like in Philly has like rights to it, you know? So I'm interested to see how that, that entire ECW vibe is going to fit into that mania weekend because that hall of fame should be littered with ECW guys. Right. Yeah. Bam Bam or Sa- and Sabu don't get in that year. I'm going to fucking lose my mind. But Sabu just sued the company yeah, two years ago. So probably not. <laughs> well, cause Bam. RVDs are, RVDs already in, right? Yeah, he went in. He went in the pandemic one, the Tampa one. So I mean, Heyman can go in, right? That would be probably the way to go. Low key, Heyman could be a headliner. You could do Francine too as like the chick. She's probably on good terms with them. I think Bam Bam and Chris Candido for allowing his uh, life to be ruined by the fucking click assholes. They at least owe him something. (laughs) Damato, any ECW thoughts? Oh, I, I loved it. I, I just regret I, I went to, uh, I think, two shows at the uh, Elks Lodge in uh, Queens. And uh, I, I regret that, you know, I was obliterated uh, through those shows. So, you know, the memories, the memories aren't there. Yeah, my young, uh, young and dumb days. Now I enjoy the moments more and, uh, and take it all in. But uh, no, definitely a big fan. And you could see something every week in, in an AEW show or a WWE show that's, that's influenced by, uh, yep. by ECW. Just uh, groundbreaking. And it, it's tough because when you look back historically, a lot of people like when you do when you watch a rewind show like uh, the show in the North South and like any kind of rewatch show, people don't really understand how like how in the culture that was where you're watching it. And I'm not even saying like you're not even seeing like this is November to remember that was their WrestleMania. This is their big year. Every year for November, remember, you got a nine minute video where they would play the entire November to remember song and mm-hmm. just run down the whole card. and. Yeah. It, it just seems so like of the time and wrestling fans were always talking about it. And you were waiting every fucking Saturday to get an hour. I would just show, I would just watch the, the beginning over and over just to be like, I've never seen that. There's stuff I've never seen. And it, it's so cool. And it's a shame that Vince didn't get it because all he got was the violent part, but he didn't really get the community part. He didn't get the, the rabid fan base. And he didn't just get that. It was just so over, like everything was over. And I don't know if there'll ever be a time where everything's that over. AEW had a little little nugget of that for a while. And I'm just hoping that all the companies could get that. I just want that back. 
and when I see that and I think of that. So, all right, cool guys, Frankie. Thanks for talking some ECW with me because uh, it's uh, it's my favorite, and uh, I'm gonna go watch some Sabu matches tonight. So. I was going to say, everyone should make it a chore to go watch the rise and fall of ECW this weekend now. So you should watch Sabu, uh, Terry Funk, Born to Be Wired, one of the greatest matches ever. And uh, and uh, think of me. <laughs> You're going to watch Kimono Wanalea on top, performing live at the top of the ECW arena? I mean, that's even the part of it, too, where you just had those commercials playing over and over. They entered your mind, you know, like it's such a it's such a product that is of its time that can never you can't explain it to people and uh yeah it's it's wild but yeah man yeah there, that's a that. funny story behind that kimono want to lay a thing too where East Polly just threw her out the stall for something like someone was late to the arena or something so that was totally on the fly where he just like go dance on the top of the ECW arena for 10 minutes because we need to stall because fucking Sandman's in the parking lot or some some bullshit like that yeah like, and it's one of the few things that they sold as a a, a tape only like most of their shows you could buy uh you could see on the the weekly show but that was a exclusive that you had to pay for on extreme warfare volume two Ooh, volume the two. battle of the bam bams terry <laughs> terry bam bam we already fought uh bam bam bigelow that same tape so yeah uh that oh god it's so ingrained in my life anyway sorry guys uh so ecw led to nxt so let's talk some nxt guys. i got a million ways to get it Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. All right. So last week I said my thing of the week. This week will be the top five matches from the 2.0 era. And here we are. Coming in at number five. Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes versus Grace Waller versus Santos Escobar versus Solo Socolo. North America ladder, ladder match from Stand and Deliver WrestleMania weekend at four and a quarter stars at number five. Number four being Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes North American title from Vengeance Day, February 2022. Number three being Imperium versus Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner for the NXT tag team titles at War Games in December 2021. Number two being Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate for the for the unification of the NXT UK and the NXT title from Worlds Collide in 2022. And number one being Team 2.0, Grayson Waller, Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, and Tony D'Angelo versus Team Black and Gold, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, LA Knight, and Pete Dunne in War Games at the War Games um, event at four and a half stars so those are my top five matches of the 2.0 era and i have two matches that were on the cusp ricochet versus carmelo hayes for the north american title at world collides four and a quarter stars at number six and number seven braun breaker versus tommaso champer at new year's evil where braun breaker won the nxt title at number seven at four stars so those are the top seven matches in the nxt 2.0 era Soon to be coming to the interwebs, Ryan's top five matches of the week, month, and year. So keep your eyes and ears open for that coming sooner rather than later. All right, Rossi, hit us home, buddy. We got the indie corner. What do you got on your side of the woods?
All right, so I'm a little bummed you didn't have any MSK matches there, man. Some of those Imperium ones were good at the early early stages, but hey, we can hey, talk buddy, about I that I had offline. a lot at 3.75. I just took everything I had over four, and then I made the top five out of it. It's then, all good. I respect it. it. No, I, you had probably my top three, so I'm not going to really push it too hard there. Um, all right. So, yeah, basically news around the indie world since we last talked. Uh, Josh Bishop um, just won the Black Label Pro Turbo Graps, which was a 24-man tournament, uh, defeating Eric Stevens in the final. That was a IWTV show. Pretty cool tournament out in Crown Point, Indiana. They've been doing that every year. Um, Black Label Pro is a company that when they're running a show, I typically find a little bit of time to watch it um, on IWTV. Um, they, they typically have kind of small crowds, but for the most part, it's pretty good energy and, um, everybody seems to have fun working there. So, um, shout out to black label pro. I was, uh, I saw bits of this tournament and it was pretty cool. Um, and beyond wrestling rounded out the lineup, joining them at the Restiful at uh, new year's, um, on Thursday, the 29th, there'll be, this is 1229. So new year's Eve, basically pizza party pro wrestling open ICW, no holds barred pit fighter 14. will be going down in Worcester on the Thursday, Friday, the 30th, will be Blitzkrieg, the IWTV Super Show in Prestige on Friday. Um, and then Saturday, which is New Year's Eve itself, we'll have Pro Wrestling Grind, Limitless Wrestling, and Beyond's annual New Year's Eve show, Heavy Lies the Crown, on 1231. Tickets are on sale for all of this shit now. I, I think they're just doing group tickets right now, but individual ones will be up at some point down the line. Um, the shows are pretty much like 3, 7, and 11 um for each day so check it out there's definitely going to be some good wrestlers there prestige coming in from california i'm pretty interested with what they're going to have together uh two matches for the rest of them that have been announced so far john wayne murdoch is going to face slade at uh, pit fighter 14 which is pretty much just a cage match with like no rules um and alec price battles his ex-girlfriend and valet becca at uh, heavy lies the crown they just officially did their split at the beyond show on the beach in rhode island so be interested to see where that goes. That should have some cool build in the next couple months on the uh, wrestling open build. So, and no holds barred. Um, ICW is back in action this weekend on Sunday night, late Eastern standard time. I think it's like 10 or 11 o'clock our time. They're going to be in LA with a main event of Casey Kirk defending the American Deathmatch championship against Orin Vite. Um, Orin Vite's a real sick pup. So that should be a crazy one. And also on that card, Eric Ryan's got Sadiqa. John Wayne Murdoch's got someone named Homeless Jimmy. Um, that, that's one of your favorite wrestlers, right? That's an, XPW, that's an old XPW guy. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Brandon Kirk versus Jake Crist, among others. So that show's also on IWTV. So I think they're going to have a cool show there. They've been trying to get into L.A. Hopefully nobody like calls the cops on them or some bullshit like that, like I hmm. talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, now, most eyes of the indie world, and I'm going to want you guys to uh, talk through some of these matches with me. Um, going down at GCW for Fight Club 2 this Saturday and Sunday at the Showboat in Atlantic City. Um, now, a little interesting news came out just the other day. Saturday, they were obviously showing an 8 p.m. start time at the Showboat in Atlantic City, which is like their big like event room at the venue or at the casino. Um, and randomly, they announced that it's going to be under the lights um, outside on the pier. Um, apparently, they redid the venue that was over there for some of the like prior GCW shows during the pandemic. Um, I don't know if that's – I originally was like, oh, shit, is this not selling well? Do they need to have, you know – make this look better optically because they didn't make this carousel room sell well. And I'm like, shit, John Moxie didn't sell out the carousel room. What the fuck is going on? Um, so I did a little bit of digging and actually the showboat, I don't know if they double booked the place, but 
they have some random ass MMA card going on there on Saturday night now. So it seemed like a bump GCW outside. It was some really weird, like totally serious MMA or something I had never heard of. Um, and now GCW's outside and a lot of fans are bitching about it because they bought tickets under the premise. They were going to an indoor show and now they're going to be standing outside in 45 degree weather on the water. So it's probably going to be cold as shit. So a lot of people bitching about that on Twitter this week. So, um, but you know, if they have to run the show, they're going to run it outside. At least it's at the same advertised venue. Right. So, um, the matches on this show starting from kind of the bottom up, you got Nick Wayne against Shun Skywalker, who's coming in to make his GC, well, GCW debut, I think. Yeah. Um, Tony Deppen's got Yamato. Um, Deppen was bitching about the weather today too. Uh, Ali catch has wrestling Sawyer wreck. That ought to be crazy. Um, Jonathan Gresham goes one-on-one with jo- Jordan Oliver. And uh, in a match that previews a match between the two next week, Joey Janela is going to team with his Sunday opponent, Cole Radrick against Los Macisos. That should be pretty nuts. Um, and in what sounds to be one of the most fucked up tag matches that they can probably put together, the mega bastards of John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne are going to defend their GCW tag titles against um, ultra-violent champion Rina Yamashita and the returning Drew Parker, who is one of the sickest deathmatch wrestlers in the world. Um, I think that he is maybe the most entertaining one. Um, have you seen him at Rock at all yet, Rocco? Yeah, that dude knows how to do stuff other than just like hit people and get hit by stuff. He's very uh, charismatic for a, a deathmatch guy. Yeah, for sure. I was bummed when he signed with Japan because I knew he wouldn't be around as much. But um, and then the main event uh, of the whole weekend, but really the main event Saturday is going to be John Moxley defending the GCW Championship against Nick Gage in a title versus career match. Now, when they announced this match, I was like, oh, well, Moxley won't be the AEW champion. So, you know, Gage can win and it won't make Moxley look bad. Um, interesting to see if the optics of that have changed um, now that he's back at the top of AEW. Um, Ryan, AEW, you think Tony Khan's going to let John Moxley drop the belt to Nick Gage here? No, he's his AEW world champion. Why would the AEW champion lose to Nick Gage? Okay, so oh, the only thing that I can really think of is if like they agreed to the finish and then he told him, like, hey, I'm dropping the title of Gage. Gage isn't retiring. Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, we'll make it like a fuck finish or something. Um, so yeah, it's conf- yeah, it's confusing because, like, I don't think, gauge is done like he's getting in this he's trying to get in shape um he's been you know looking a little bit better i think he's been showing up to more shows i don't feel like he's ready to wrap it up so and obviously it's wrestling like he could lose this and come back in six months but i feel like for him to do like a career gimmick it would probably be really bad taste of gcw if they aren't aren't serious about it so rocco any takes on on the finish of this one yeah, I don't think if, if Gage's whole thing is having his crew, like if a million dudes come out and destroy Mox, it doesn't really mean anything. They've never even acknowledged his GCW title on um, Dynamite. And most people who watch Dynamite are not watching GCW. Yes, there's plenty of people who are, but like I don't really think many people are watching every show. So I think they could get away with MDK like having a fucking Matt Tremont or other like random death metal dudes come out and just fucking destroy Mox. I guess it would have been cooler if Mox was being more of a dick. Like if they, but they really don't do a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of story in, in GCW uh, cards. So yeah, I, I could see them just like wrecking him with a whole group of dudes. Maybe that'd be the way out of it. So 
Unless yeah, that would really be the only way. Yeah, just like fucking straight up MDK crew just killing him. I don't know, man. Yeah. Tony Khan just on Busted Road, Busted Open Radio just said that I want to win the Observer Award, Booker of the Year. That's my main focus. So I'm pretty sure that he uh, he is locked into the smallest and small of the interwebs. So he also doesn't need to be pissing off the one guy who hasn't been an insane person on his show. So maybe if if Mox says, "Hey, I just want to lose my belt to my buddy." <laughs> Like he'll be like, all right, whatever. No one's gonna watch it anyway. Yeah, then I would, but then like Khan might be like, then he can never work there again. So there could be some interesting, uh, talk, yeah. uh, interesting backstage stuff with that one. So pretty curious. So I'll have to tune in for that. Um, now, Sun. I know. Yeah, it's politics that is, with GCW. Yeah, and then will GCW play ball either? You know what I mean? That's the other thing. Um, they typically don't. So uh, we'll see what happens there. So um, and then Sunday, we'll blow through this kind of quick. Leo Rush is advertised at both shows. Um, unsure what he's up to, uh, but he's going to face Gresham. Um, I'm assuming he's going to face Gresham because Gresham's advertised for Sunday, but he's got nothing. Um, booked up but i don't know maybe i'm wrong jimmy lloyd and wasted youth of dylan mckay and marcus mathers facing the second gear crew um jordan oliver and nick wayne are wrestling as a tag team against bussy yamato is wrestling speedball mike bailey that'll be fucking crazy bailey's also got an impact uh, bound for glories tomorrow actually or i'm sorry friday this week um shun skywalker um is wrestling blake christian Mieto extremo is going one-on-one with drew parker that'll be crazy and rena yamashita is defending the ultraviolet championship against ciclope your main event sunday is joey janela defending the ddt extreme title against cole radrick who will be defending his gcw extreme title in a title versus title affair um I kind of think Janelle is going to walk out with both titles there. Um, he just deathmatch Joey is back. Um, he had a crazy couple bangers over in uh, Japan for GCW in the last couple weeks. So, so that's uh, that's all we got. Why can't we all rush be in a real retirement match and just stop? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know. He, this is what his sixth legit one. He's he's out of his mind. Anyway. Yeah, it sounds like a fun weekend, man. I know a couple of people who are going to be down there. And uh, if you're outside, just drink, motherfucker. People watch football games till February. What are you complaining about? Yeah, 50 degrees. Come on. Come yeah, on, guys. Right. That's beautiful weather. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Wear a hoodie. Wear a hoodie, motherfuckers. All right, so, the motto. You've had a heavy hitter as a guest on your podcast the last two weeks. Now, what's your podcast and what you got going on, buddy? Ah, it's this week in the NFL, the North South Connection's highest rated uh, sports show, and only one. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, there's a, there, there are others, but uh, no, yeah, we had an exquisite guest uh, host uh, for two weeks, uh, got an amazing uh, feedback from that, but uh, we'll be back with uh, uh, Cowboy and uh, Senior uh, later in the week. Awesome, awesome. Rocco, what you got going on? Your band on tour soon, anywhere? What's up? Um, I'm going to be on a podcast with John about it's a Dave Meggett podcast. Uh, we're going to celebrate <laughs> the career of Dave Meggett. It's called 30 for 30. 30 years wow. for number 30. Um, <laughs> the Chris Benoit of the Giants. Uh, we're going to discuss Ooh. him at length. Um, he was my favorite rest, my favorite football player, unfortunately. Well, look it up. Um, I am playing a show uh, the Thursday after this drops <laughs> uh, in Montclair, New Jersey, a beautiful town in a really cool spot called the Meat Walker. And it's going to be a really fun show because our bass player couldn't make it. And uh, his sister uh, is playing bass for us. And <laughs> we taught her how to play bass over the last month. And it's going to be really fun. So, yeah, that's it. 
Cool. That's that's interesting. Is that stressful or is that just like, hey, let's just have fun with it? No, it's one of those like she uh, she's never like really played a show with a like a full band before. And it's like like, I don't know, uh, old dude or a, a hot chick playing bass like I'll take the hot chick. Playing bass right. uh, the amount of people going to the show is uh, very high because uh, she's a very nice person and uh, learn how to play a bunch of songs really quick. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun show. Uh Everyone's looking forward to it, and uh, except for him, who can't be there because he's not going to be able to watch his own sister play. So, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Awesome, awesome. Yes. Now, hey, real, real quick, those three and one football giants, huh? NFL football giants. Oh yeah. You guys share the same team over there in the Jersey tri-state area. You guys want to go back and forth on the prospect of Daniel Jones going? Uh, what's up? Oh, I'm a little tuned out of the current product, unfortunately. I'll talk Dave Hostetler with you any day and Bart Oates, but a little, uh, the, the modern <laughs> stuff, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little Jesus Christ! I, I did, I did destroy my family's uh, coffee table when uh, the Buffalo Bills kicker uh, missed that field goal in was it ninety uh, whatever, and I jumped up and down and destroyed my parents' uh, coffee table. My father didn't like it, but uh, you know, it was worth it at the time. Sounds it. Rock the, back, the backhand was worth it. The backhand across the room was worth my excitement. So. Nice, nice. Now, D'Amato, what do you, do you, real quick, NFL, let's just do it real quick. Tua, is he dead, alive? What do you think? Are, are, the, are the Dolphins dead? Come on, I need your expert, Ectiz. Uh, no, I'm not a doctor, and I don't uh, profess to play one on TV. So um, <laughs> This uh, it's a, it's a dicey thing. This uh, concussion issue, and now everybody that gets uh, tapped is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be out for six weeks. So it's a, it's a tough call, uh, tough stuff they got going on there. When you when you're greedy and you want to make money, uh, that's what happens when you throw guys back in there. That was a scary scene with the poor Tua doing the claw hold. Oh jeez, look like Von Eric. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I just was I was just low key looking for a way for you to shit on Rossi's favorite team, the Dolphins, but you didn't you didn't take the bait, buddy. Rossi, what do you uh, got? I mean, there's not there's not a lot to shit on. I mean, it's it's whatever. Like the coach was, I don't want to get into it, but the coach was told by somebody that was smart about brains supposedly that he was fine. So what's he gonna do? He's trying to win games and keep a job. So and that guy um, was fired. Prompt that guy was promptly fired. So. Yeah, so the fuck the doctor. That's how I see it. Um, but I mean, they got the, the next six weeks are the Jets on the road, Minnesota at home, Pittsburgh at home on a Sunday night, uh, at Detroit, at Chicago, home against Cleveland with before Watson's back. Um, I mean, that team, if you're four and two there, and then you got to buy and you come out of that with Houston, and I mean, Seven, that's three. November November 27th. So I mean, get two ready for that. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, I mean, not even get him ready. Like, just let him rest um, through that bye. And um, after that, it's a gauntlet. It's at San Francisco, the Chargers, Buffalo, Green Bay, New England, and the Jets again. So I think that you want to have him healthy by December. Um, and you really just want him to be healthy, period. That's the big thing um, is let, let him heal. Don't make him come back before he needs to um, right now. And you've got a schedule that you can win four games with Teddy Bridgewater. So let's see. Well, hopefully he's okay. That's really all that matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been an explosive like 12 or 13 hours of, of Miami Dolphins football in this house over the last four weeks. Uh, so uh, that Thursday night was the gambit of emotions for sure. Um, but it's been fun watching that team kind of gel. And I like seeing McDaniel do his thing. And the guy's a fucking goofball, but he gets his shit done on Sunday. So we'll see where they end up. I mean, I'd rather be them than the Patriots right now. 
And I just wanted you jabronis to live in Happyville at 3-1 and one where your fucking teams peaked. All right, guys, we've had enough of this week <laughs> in the NFL. All right, that's it for this episode of Clause Lines and Headlines. We will check you on the epic episode number 10. Thank you, guys, as always, and catch you next time.